I know, I know. <laughs> that that particular decision I don't understand, but I'm, I'm sure you'll tell me. Um, all I'll say is it worked, actually. Welcome to another episode of the HMG Podcast. Uh, I'm here as Daniel, and I've got with me Gorchen. Hi, everyone. Uh, and today we're actually going to be briefly recapping uh, Southern Thrust. Uh, there's another episode that's going to be picking up some information where Gorchen had a chat with uh, Gilly, who is the TO for that particular one. Um, but we thought we'd just jump on. We both attended, uh, and we thought we'd just jump on because we faced each other as well. And so um, it's a good <laughs> it's a good conversation for us to have. And we'll run through what the event looked like, uh, our different pieces within it, uh, our different formatting and things like that. Uh, so, so Gorchin, what, what do you th- what do you think? So, so we did a different format this time. Yeah, Gilly ran a, a, a new format than what we normally do. So I think probably the, the first core of the format that's worth mentioning is that it was Swiss pairings all the way through. Uh, so it didn't do Allied or Axis. And uh, first round, he baked in a couple of pairings that he thought would be really good. I think he baked in some uh, basically people who'd never played each other or would not normally get an opportunity to play each other. So... Uh, for, for those of you who are familiar with geography, this was an event down in Albany. For those of you who aren't super familiar with geography, like you, Dan, that was a four or five hour drive from WA's capital city. And so yeah. those guys, there's a small group of them who come up for every event. Sometimes it's sometimes it's most of them, about you know, five or six will make it up. But, but usually there's a core three or four that make it uh, every event. And so this time around, they, they hosted an event uh, with 18 plays filled up uh and and no no shows actually which is which is a bit of a miracle especially in this day and age Uh, oh it was awesome yeah and and so that was that was interesting the army list uh restrictions i guess if you could call them restrictions uh was not very restricted (laughs) so i think the only limitation was 888 points uh there was not an order dice cap uh, oh and no special characters um, and, it, and it had to be a single platoon. And it had to be a single pl- platoon, right. Theater selectors were in, armored platoons were in, uh, which, mm-hmm. uh, it, it, yeah, we'll get to in a little bit. Uh, and a couple of other things that, that, that Gilly did side mission-wise, you know, here in WA, we sort of flirt with, with side missions or side objectives. Uh, I went real big for my upcoming event, and Gilly took a much more reasonable approach. He... He gave the VPs out based on list building. So you got one VP yeah. if you brought a first lieutenant. You got one VP if your entire list was the same experience level all the way through. And you got another VP... Uh, if you took at least one squad that was full strength. Thank you. Yeah, at least yeah. one squad that was full strength. And for it to count as full strength, it's the full strength core rule uh sorry in the yeah. main rule book so that is has to be a minimum of 10 models and it has to be the max size of that squad can be as well yeah. so you couldn't take a squad of eight engineers and claim the vp for example yeah. uh and uh so i just he also very excitingly and i think this is something um i think the community should get behind as a whole every now and again um we get some players will do list write-ups leading up to events yeah. gilly published all of the lists 
Um, he he actually removed the names, but it was it was pretty quick to identify who was taking what. The, yeah, <laughs> there was a few giveaways. <laughs> yeah, there was a few giveaways. Uh, but eighty eight, sorry, eighty five percent of players took a max size squad. Seventy five percent took first LT, and only half took single veterancy lists. Uh, out of the full eighteen players, uh, eight of them got all three uh, VPs in list building. So that's actually about 40%, a little less than half. So basically it came down to really by the looks of a single veterancy list was kind of the deal breaker for, for the majority of the people, which is no surprise really. Yeah. Out of those three, I think, and you're right. I think innately that becomes the the differential. If someone decides, okay, I'm going to put choosing either all regs or all veterans or all inexperienced, they, that all comes with pros and cons. Yeah. Um, And so, um, to only see approximately half the field decide to make a choice, uh, or sorry, just over half the field make a choice against that to go, no, I want a bit more flexibility in what I take. That is probably about expected. Um, we'll get into what I did later. Yeah. Uh, and, and so that was, again, that was, that there was no surprise. I figured in terms of, again, deal breakers, I felt like that's the one where most people in our community would have gone, no, I need to min-max a few selected, a few selections in my platoon. And I actually, I, I didn't agree with that deduction. I went for all three VPs just because uh, what I had in my list, I didn't feel like I could take an extra VP back by changing a veterancy which is really the question you're asking yourself by making my multiple rocket launcher inexperienced am i getting enough points to do something else or if you do it with a couple of your units right at which point do you accumulate enough points to do something a little bit extra especially if you're talking an open dice list that kind of is an it's an unsolvable question right because is you know if you're talking about taking a, a cheapest order dice you can get i think for the us it's a 17 point uh cheap transport uh in experience and like it's super easy to find 17 points by just playing with veterancy in a few units but like what is that extra jeep getting you and especially yeah, what is it doing yeah yeah and is it getting you another victory point somewhere else i think uh yeah so i went with a kind of a very funny theater selector um, I think a lot of people walked away from it. Um, and just like I tend to do, I like to talk about conventional wisdom and why it's conventional, why it's really good. And then I just try to break it like I did with the MMGs. Uh, and so we talk about how medium tanks are overcosted and they're really hard to get your points back and all that sort of stuff. And I, I still stand by all of those statements, but I took two. Uh, I took the bloody Gulch selector, which is... There, there's a bunch of different caveats. You can basically only take regular infantry squads or paratrooper infantry squads. All of your support options, so flamethrowers, bazookas, artillery, can either be parachute infantry or armored infantry. I think the selector actually just uses regular infantry. It doesn't use the newer fancy armored infantry. The The flip side of that, the limitations of the selector being that all of your paratrooper choices had to be veteran, and all of your armored second armored options had to be regular, which meant you could either get veteran infantry squads as paratroopers or regular infantry squads as uh, regulars, just just your baseline mm-hmm. US infantry squad. The shamans were had to be regular though, which meant you couldn't use gyro stabilizers. 
Uh, yeah, I hadn't picked that up actually. Yeah, but you can take uh, one Sherman for every armored infantry squad up to to a maximum of three Shermans. Now, at eight hundred eighty eight points, what that meant was I got two squads of twelve infantry with two BARs, two squads of six with one BAR and one first lieutenant. Now, the reason I, you know, looking back on it, could I have gone three squads of eight and a squad of twelve? Yeah, um, I don't think it would have having. It would have changed the way I played a little bit, uh, but I kind of like. There was no way I was going to go three squads of twelve. I think it's just yeah. it's just too much of a pin magnet. Each one in in particular, and and my infantry squads were pin magnets. Uh, the Shermans <laughs> that I took were just regular. I didn't bother with a pintle. Didn't cancel out thin sides. I uh, and I got the the base M four, so thin sides easily catches fire. Um, so it did knock off the points a little bit. I think they came in at under 200 apiece, but not not significantly. I think it's 10 points for for both of yeah, the rules, it's not, so it's 20 points it's, all up for sure. It's an extra man with a rifle, essentially. Yeah, and, and I also had um, a light howitzer, which I took. So I took all of them as second armored. Now, the, the other part of the selector that I did... I couldn't avoid basically the theater selector. Obviously, it has pros and it has cons. The other one I couldn't avoid was that all of your Shermans, or basically, you had a small list of armored vehicles to choose from. All of them had to start off the board. So, if it was a first wave game, you're fine. They could come on as first wave. If it had a deployment phase, they had to go into reserve. Um, yeah, and and that. And I looked at the list and looked at the missions that we were playing. Two of them were first wave and two of them had mandatory reserves. Oh, sorry. One of them had mandatory reserves. The other one had optional reserves. And I kind of went, you know what? Like if this is, if this is the limitation that I've got, most players are going to face those same limitations for three out of four rounds. And I'm kind of okay with that. And also like I only had eight dice. At 888 points, that's not unreasonable, but I also know that it's quite low. Like, even when, mm. when we play 1250 games, I will kind of push 12, 14 dice with cheap cheap select, cheap select selections. So I'm like, I actually don't mind them being in reserve because it forces my opponent to, maybe not in the, in the one game where we both have reserves, but I'd be a bit surprised if this was the case. It forces my opponents to place their anti-tank assets. And again... Yes. I took a gamble here. I'm like, 888 points. Everybody knows that medium tanks are overcosted. No one's going to take a medium anti-tank gun. No one's going to take a medium tank. I'm going to, I might see some Panzerfaust. I might see some anti-tank rifles. Probably going to see some, um, what are the Japanese guys called? Who, the Japanese um, lunge miners. Lunge miners, thank you. Yeah. You, you know, and I'm sitting there going, for you to take those things, you have to expect big, heavy armor that's not open-topped. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to gamble it. I don't think anybody's going to expect two medium tanks. Uh, and and I think that gamble was correct. Uh, yeah, I, I would agree. From from the other lists that I saw, obviously, they were all released. Um, some of us were packing um, anti-tank, but, but really it was for soft skins or armed carriers to, yeah. to really take those out. I, I think I saw um, a bunch of anti-tank rifles, you know, a good yeah. mattering of howitzers. No surprise there. Um, I think yep. most lists had a howitzer. Uh, not too many mortars, though. 
I didn't see too many. No, no, there weren't many mortars. Um, uh, or they were like what I, like I took a light mortar. Yeah. And yeah. so it was that flexibility yeah. element of the moving fire, um, but shorter range. Yeah. But um, no, I think you're right. I think taking the two tanks, um, the two medium tanks was a good uh, gamble. Um, and I think especially given the points limit, I think it was a good gamble. I yeah. don't think many people were expecting to see at 888 points two tanks, um, two sizably, you know, they're quite reliable tanks. Yeah. Um, Sorry, I don't yeah. know. I don't know if we actually mentioned it. The event was called Southern Thrust. If we, oh yeah. We didn't Sorry. mention it. That's what the event is that. called. <laughs> It'll be in the title and the description. It'll be everywhere. It'll be Southern Thrust. But yeah, what what list did you take there? So I ended up going back to my Soviets um, purely because my Bulgarians, um, like super fun, wanted to play with them at the last event that I didn't get to, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, and but they are built as a balanced list, and because Boom. because I saw well because I saw what restrictions were potentially not in play. Yeah. <laughs> um, for this event, I I really thought and I went look. I would take the Bulgarians and I would have an absolute ball. Like it'd be it'd be really fantastic. But when I looked at and I went, actually, there's there's a stack of missions here where the Bulgarian rule, national rule, where I would stop people from not flanking uh, and putting stuff in forward deployment, that could be quite useful. Yeah. Um, but then I looked at, I, I just simply looked at what options I had physically built, painted and ready because uh, I had other stuff on my paint queue. So I, I didn't exactly have time to go and create a bunch of new stuff. And I went. I like how we took the exact opposite approach. I went and <laughs> yeah. bought a Sherman at speed painted it, <laughs> and I'm just like too busy. <laughs> um, uh, in hindsight, that means that I did get actually a whole bunch of other hobby done, so that was great. But um, winning the the yeah the the reality was I was like I I don't think there's enough teeth in it to make it um, genuinely what I think I'd need to to yeah. play. So. So I went to back, back to my Soviets, uh, the two Soviet forces that I've got, and I went, well, well, I mean, let's see what options I've got. Mm. And the Soviets have arguably, I think, the best selection of units and flexibility and options of things that you can do. It's like, it literally Definitely like on, on the Allied side. Uh, on the Allied side, yeah, yeah for they, sure. They, yeah. they might get eked out a little by the Germans in a few slots, but but I think if even even if you, if you put them tit for tat at... I'd I'd wager the Soviets without having the army books in front of me. I'd wager that the Soviets. Yeah, they're, they're pretty they're pretty closely matched, and so largely then I started looking at you know okay do I want to do a Silo Heights list which mm -hmm, is a very mm -hmm. typical competitive dual double tank slot um, you know uh, has some very very good potential in it uh, and I then I looked at the objectives and I went. Hmm. I still want to go and play something fun. Like I, I, I don't want to go something because I, I actually didn't want to win the event. That, that sounds like a bit silly, but I wanted to go and You're support lying, John Kip a little bit. Um, <laughs> I wanted to go and I wanted to be a gatekeeper list. That's actually right. What I designed okay. my list yeah, 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 so yeah. I didn't necessarily care about winning, but I wanted whoever was going to win to have to fight hard in against my list to get anywhere. So, so for those um, not familiar with with other circles, what is a what's a gatekeeping list? Talk us through that, what that means, and 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 why they're called that. Yeah, so the the gatekeeper list that I that I'm or, or the, the concept that I'm referring to is that uh, if you want to be able to play in and 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 get some sort of a podium finish, let's say on on the top, because we're running Swiss yeah. pairing, so it's going to rank on order of dice and battle and, and things like that. Uh, I wanted to position myself that if anyone wanted to be 
on that top set of tables, uh, and there was only 18 players, there was a good chance that in the first two rounds they were going to have to fight me yeah. because I wasn't included in any grudge matches. And okay. so typically <laughs> grudge matches don't fall through yeah, yeah. On, um, uh, on the scoring. Uh, and so I was like, okay, so if for anyone that did not grudge match, therefore they're wanting to fight, you could fight me in round one, you could fight me in round two, or you could be stuck with me in round three. Yeah. Uh, and I went, what is something that I can take that is obnoxious but isn't actually um, insurmountable? Like, yeah. like it's, yeah. I, I was, I didn't want to take Maori Gurkhas, for example. No offense <laughs> to the guy that did take some of the Maori Gurkha units. Um, I didn't want to take Bamboo Spearman. I didn't want yeah. to take any yeah. of those classic archetypes. I ended up taking an archetype anyway. But um, Well, th this is the thing about like sort of the gatekeeper concept at large. Uh, so it's it's lists that perform well in the meta that you would yeah. expect to see at top tables or approaching top tables. Yeah. So the idea being that if you're going to an event and uh, you want to get through the gate, uh, that is to get to the podium or near the top, the gatekeeper lists are things that you would typically expect to see. And as we talked about in sort of uh, all like gloves off, all teeth out, multi platoon, you yes. be talking, you know, Stuart Recky spam, multiple, multiple rocket launcher profiles as, as one type of that list. Another one would be multiple small units in transports with, with flamethrowers and machine guns in the transports. That's another really common one. Um, or, yep. or you'd expect kind of splat lists that have lots of Techy, lots of templates and they come in lots of different varieties. They come in lots of different nations, but these are, these are lists you would expect to see on the way up. So your gatekeeper list was, was more of a horde one, right? Yes, it was. Um, and so typically a horde list runs, um, either lots of infantry squads or very large infantry squads, uh, or it will run, uh, more of a multiple small units type impact. And right. that's actually closer to what mine was. So I ran an inexperienced horde, so everything was then just inexperienced across the board. So tick that victory point. <laughs> but I ran it as multiple small units. And so in the Soviet list in particular, because I'm spoiled for choice, um, I took two light machine gun squads uh, initially as my first two troops choices with double machine guns in them. Yep. Uh, the theater selector that I used was, uh, <laughs> so it's 1943, February to March. It was actually the third battle of Kharkov list right. um, where there was three infantry into the meat grinder. Um, but it's subtitled a fatal attraction, <laughs> which not many people necessarily knew. Uh, and it was a case of, uh, you're not allowed to take veterans as part of that theater selector. So I ignored that because I wasn't going to take them anyway. <laughs> um, and that was kind of the only downside, except the innate downside of being inexperienced. So that yeah. minus one to shoot and, and the leadership bump and stuff. Uh, and then I got to my list. So spoiler alert, it's 20 dice. <laughs> um, so... I chose, <laughs> I know, I'm already people listening to this having flashbacks. Uh, um, so I took, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. Um, so I took a first lieutenant with two assistants, so no small team bonus. You broke the rules, Dan. With rifles, not even submachine guns. Oh, you broke both of the rules. I feel like we both just went in, let's, let's break all of the conventional wisdom we can. And try to do our best. <laughs> do, do you know? Do you know? In most game systems, the easiest way to become a gatekeeper list is to bring something completely opposite of what your meta brings, and and then suddenly everyone's like, I 
I can't deal with this. I don't understand. How this yeah, that although that is an extremely high risk, high reward scenario because there's often a very good reason why a lot of people don't bring that. <laughs> I think there's 18 players questioning some of those reasons. Um, <laughs> well, that's that's the beauty of bolt action. It's like it's not all about points efficiencies. Anyways, yeah, no, you have right. you have 17 more dice to work through, Dan. Yeah, uh, nineteen more dice. That was just three models. Uh, so well, well the, and and your two infantry. Oh, the two squad. light machine guns. Yeah, 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 two light machine gun squads um, with uh, two light machine guns each. So they were about fire suppression. Um, then I took a twelve man submachine gun squad with a light machine gun, which is also something you don't normally do because those weapon profiles are completely opposite to one another. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I took obviously the free twelve rifles that you get yeah, as course. green yep. as a rifle squad for being Soviet because they were free and there was no dice cap and there was no order limits. And so I went, click. Um, <laughs> and then I took um, partisan squads. Now, these are not the right. partisan squads out of the France and the Allies books. These are specifically Soviet partisans. Right, okay. Um, from memory, I think their profiles are almost identical anyway. Um, but I took three units of five and upgraded them or technically downgraded them to be shirkers. Right, of course. Uh, and gave them all a light machine gun. Now, when you do all the computational mass at the end of that, every five-man squad costs 40 points. On average, yeah. Uh, no, so... The, oh, sorry, the, you the, just meant the partisan. The five-man partisan yeah, yeah, squads yeah, yeah. were 40 points each with a light <sighs> machine gun. Disgusting. <laughs> now... The shirkers rule is particularly painful, um, and so I did have to watch out for that. And that's the rule where they always have to take an order test before they do anything, even if they don't have any pins. And any pins that they have, they count as double for the purposes of order tests. And no and so, other purposes, right? Just the and order no other purposes. Yeah, okay. yeah, just the order test. Um, and that was... Um, it became very important to have a first officer who didn't just simply die when getting shot at because yeah. he needed to make sure the other guys did what they were told. And I did have instances where the circus just went, not playing, no, <laughs> not, not doing it. Um, so that was the core infantry. And so my infantry selections, uh, one, two, three, four, five. Six. So I had seven infantry units. Right, but okay. I only had about thirty troops. Right, yeah, yeah, that's classic. and so that that was that was MSU the split. right there, yeah. yeah, yeah. So the yeah. same number of models just subdivided out into smaller groups. Yeah. Um, typically, the purpose with what I was trying to do there is generate more opportunities to to convert those pins over because I was running in experience. Yeah. So I needed those extra dice to be thrown every turn as separate order allocations to try and tick them over. Um, and then it went on. Uh, so I took four anti-tank rifle teams uh, okay. as inexperienced for 21 points each. Or 20, yeah, 21 <laughs> points each. And I can assure you they made their points back in not necessarily every game altogether, yeah, but yeah, across yeah. the time that I was playing, each did something that was worthwhile. I took two forward-deploying tank hunter anti-tank teams. Yep. So this, this was literally two men. One with um, both with rifles and one with a Panzerfaust. Yeah. Uh, so again, could have given them submachine guns, chose not to. Uh, so two of those, a light mortar team, a Ziz two anti tank gun because I couldn't be bothered paying an extra five points for the Ziz three with dual purpose ammunition. <laughs> so it's simply the anti tank gun. Uh, I know, I know. <laughs> that that particular decision I don't understand, but I'm, I'm sure you'll tell me. Um, all I'll say is it worked actually, but um, <laughs> but yeah, 
Um, I'll talk to about how it was used in our game, of course. But um, a BA six four B, which is the um, the only concession I made was the BA six four B actually. So it's a um, armored car with a light machine gun yeah. that has recce, and I did pay the extra five points to make it enclosed rather than open topped. Yeah, because it's a- as an inexperienced one, the points were essentially there to use. And, I and actually, those pins were really going to hurt. Yeah, and I actually really think that that armored car enclosed is a really good order. Dice it's so good. It's, it's, it's so awesome. It's not expensive. <laughs> it's a mobile bulletproof uh, LMG. It's going to, like, yeah, fine, it's only an LMG, but, like, how do you deal with it? <laughs> well, and, and the, the, thing, the thing is, like, you know, and even in, in when I get talking about the first game, its primary purpose is to duck out and buzz off a couple of shots at the end of the first turn to annoy your opponent. And yeah. your opponent goes, right, I'm going to deal with that. And so they line it up for a shot and you just go, recce. Yeah. You yeah. just disappear. I've still got 19 dice. What do I care? Exactly. Um, exactly. Uh, and then I followed up with, I had two trucks that were then going to support the, the, the free yeah. rifle unit and the submachine gun yeah. unit to get Makes them off the field yeah. and get them engaged. Um, and then... I took an inexperienced KU ship, which lost me friends. Uh, yeah, it's it's a very um, very gatekeeper pickup. Inexperienced multiple rocket launchers. I mean the 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 rocket launcher itself. I was actually surprised we didn't see many more of them. Um, uh, in I fact, think... there was only one other one there. Uh, oh yeah, you meant across the tournament. I was just going to say the yeah. the other restrictions that we forgot to mention was maximum of three flamer profiles, and yeah. I think it was a max of one multiple rocket launcher profile. Correct. Uh, yeah. So, but that being said, it's not like we saw everybody take uh, multiple rocket launcher, which I think is where you're coming no. from. In fact, the only other person that did also took an inexperienced Soviet list. Yeah, an inexperienced I, multi launcher. Yeah, um, Kyusha. Yeah, I think his his list had a lot more flamethrowers. So. <laughs> well, considering I had zero. Um. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look, I'm I'm really glad. It's kind of one of those things where, um, because we play Axis V allies as our bread and butter here at WA, it, I don't come across Soviet lists, um, and so playing against two of them on the event, I was just like. Good God, I am never playing Axis because <laughs> I did not want to play against Soviets. It's it's obnoxious, to say the least. So this is the guy who brought two medium tanks, too. Uh, yeah, look, um, well, and, and let's let's be honest. Let's reflect in the real end results. I mean, I, I unfortunately ended up with a did not finish. Yeah. Um, so I was called away on the second day and couldn't finish up, which... Uh, yeah, it still hurts. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, uh, but you, on the other hand, yeah, managed to take out the tournament undefeated, best allied. I think there's there's two two things I will definitely um, kind of caveat the win on is that one, I very much think that frontal assault is not the best competitive mission. Um, from this is both action from the both action lines players back. Oh yeah, we'll, we'll go through the mission. So we'll go, we'll go through the missions. Um, yeah. What was what was round one? The first one was punch through. Punch through. So it was three both action lines missions and then one from the core rulebook. So it was punch through, yeah. which is a cross of um, objectives around the center, some distance, and there's a little game of movement that you can play with your opponent before the game starts. Yeah. 
Then it's frontal assault where the table is divided uh, diagonally. Uh, one of you, there's a roll-off for attack a defender and placing table sides. The it's a tough mission. The defender gets two objectives. The attacker gets, well, attacker gets zero. There's one in the neutral point. 50% have to be in reserves and, and a few other things like that. But the key thing about frontal assault that a lot of people did not read um, as it came up when we were doing post-game scoring, I heard, overheard of other tables, was that the objectives don't work like normal objectives. They yeah. are flipped. They are not controlled or contested. So the two objectives in the defender zone start in the defender's control and the other one is neutral. How you flip them is by having an allied unit within three inches or having a unit of yours within three inches and no enemy units within three inches. There is yep. no such and thing as a con- yeah. There's yeah. no such thing as a contested objective. It's yep. either uh it's either for the defender ones, it's either the defenders or the attackers. There is no such thing as a contested objective. Uh and yep. to that pressure in in that you applied with your msu list in round two uh i think the only reason i won that mission was was because of the frontal assault design uh which i think if you were if you were to do that mission competitively i would flip the placement of the objective so you'd have one the defender two the neutral but yeah we'll 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 get to that a little bit more later on when we dive into it (laughs) um getting ahead of ourselves here uh and then we then we had kitty hawk down so yeah kitty hawk down is mission three and then mission four was demolition um yeah sorry another interesting choice for an event the the tangent i was going off here was that um the two caveats is one. I think the only reason I got four wins was, was one was the frontal assault design. Um, and then the second part was that nobody took an armored platoon. Um, yeah. which surprised the TO. It surprised a few of us. Uh, also, I think, I guess it just goes to speak to that self-regulation that we talk about a lot. Um, I mean, the door was wide open. It really was for the six, Recky Stewart machine gun platoons for, to be a valid, uh, like almost a valid drop in to be able to. Yeah, go, yeah, sure, sure, bring them. Like fire a hundred shots a turn, go nuts. <laughs> I think I think the other the other potential armored platoon would have been. Um, I can't remember where which exact book it is, but you can get the canister shell for the Stewarts, and I think you can get them yeah. for the Chaffees as well. I think, mm-hmm. um, and so. Yeah, I've I've heard it mentioned a couple of times. I haven't been able to go find the book yet, so so you know, big big spoonful of salt with that one. Canisters, canisters, pretty nasty. I yeah, think it was Nathan Patrick that took those to one of the events previously, yeah. and it just made a mess of people. And, and, they weren't and ready for it. right, and this is this is the thing because like well, if you take if you take a chaffee over a Stewart, similar points, but you get the two inch, you get the you know, you get a slightly tougher tank and all the other sorts of stuff. You don't get as many machine guns. So I was. From a U.S. perspective, I was either expecting to see a Stewart spam or a Chaffee spam or like a mixed Stewart Chaffee spam with some canisters in there as well. But didn't happen. And so I think, mm. yeah, if I came across a, a, a light tank armored platoon, I would have had much more trouble with my two Sherman. So that was that was basically the, the core. Um, th- that, that's me putting my caveats out of the way. Uh, but yes, uh, uh, undefeated for four rounds, which which feels really good. So I guess we'll, we'll go into the rounds now, Dan. How was how was your first round? Who were you up against? Yeah, so my first round, I matched up against um, Quinn. Uh, one of, so he's uh, on the Perth side yeah. of the trek coming down. Uh, sort of comes and goes in the community as well. 
Yep, yep. Um, and that sort of, you know, he doesn't get a chance to get to every single event. Um, he hadn't played for a while before he met me. And yeah. so it was a little bit of a crucible of fire to then have to fight my 20 dice list. Yeah. Um, n- and not only fight the 20 dice list, but fight the 25 dice, sorry, the 20 dice list against me, who was kind of switched on about going, like, I yeah. need to play yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. so fast because I've only got, because the time, it was a two hour round. Um, and so still pretty I generous like, for, for 888 points. You get full two hours. Was it? It didn't feel like that. <laughs> um, I suppose when I'm doing three times as many actions for everybody's other action that they do, um, yeah. I was probably putting myself under a bit of pressure. But um, yeah, yeah. So, so we played on a, um, one of the wonderful boards that was provided um, for the guys down at Albany. It had a big church in the middle um, yep. with a, with a fence and a sort of set of graveyards around it, and then some town buildings on the outside. Uh, I was given the choice of t- uh, of table side. Um, uh, no, I lost the role for table side, but Quinn chose the side he was on, um, and that actually gifted me two sets of essentially hedgerow and right, all, yeah, um, leading obstacles. So I, I understand yeah. that's a very useful thing to do in a tournament setting. Is go, I'm going to take this side of the table because I'm standing on it. But honestly, yep. if you win the table side role, just take look. a good thirty second, thirty to sixty second look at the table. Uh, because the terrain was a big part of my wins as well. Yeah. So if so, if I had, I mean, the, t- the side I ended up with was actually the side that I wanted yeah, when I looked perfect. at the table because yeah. it had those linear, those two linear um, obstacles. What it essentially meant was that I could hide the core of my infantry with all of its inexperienced mm-hmm. light machine mm-hmm. guns behind two levels of that, which meant that I could barely be seen. Yeah. And I always had two very strong defensive positions that I could just simply sit on because the other part is when we did the little game of moving the objectives, he moved one that was, uh, so if you think about the star, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he moved the one that was closest to him further down towards him. I probably wouldn't have done that. It was out in the open, so I get why he did it. Yeah. Um, I probably would have left that one alone and moved one of the side objectives first, um, which is what I ended up doing. Yeah, okay. And so I, shift, I shifted. So our box ended up a bit more like this. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Flipped out like this. And I was able to cap essentially mm-hmm, across mm-hmm. Um, the others. Uh, and so his one that he'd moved further away, yes, I struggled to... I struggled to get to that one. Um, but because I was able to put a lot of pressure on the ones that were closer to me, um, it wasn't a problem. Now, when we get to, you were saying about why did I bother taking an anti-tank gun? It's interesting because, yes, it's only a one-inch HE shell. No, um, sorry. I don't understand why you didn't take the five-point upgrade to a Ziz 3. Oh, That's the part that I don't get. Let me see. Let me see. Because... I was. I only had three points left, so okay. I, ha- I would have had to have skimped points somewhere to get an extra two points to then, which because I was already skimping on points, that was pretty difficult. I, I kind um, of feel like I have to say this just just for everybody at home who's currently cringing and rocking in their chairs. I don't know, Dan. Maybe take the LMG out of your goddamn G squad and get a Sith three. <laughs> that, that all right? I've said my well, piece. I've said my but, piece. It's done. Interesting. Interestingly enough, um, yeah, I'll, I'll get to that and why I did that in a second. Yeah. Um, because there's a very specific reason that I did it, um, aside, and it wasn't point efficient that I did it. Um, but yeah, anyway, so uh, I was able to get the last drop of deployment of where I wanted the anti tank rifle, the anti tank gun to go. Yeah. And um, 
he'd put his SU-76 down the bottom end of a road. Oh, uh, and right, so I, okay. I just simply went, I literally the best threat that I can shoot at is the, the ZIS, um, sorry, with the yeah, ZIS-2 yeah. is the SU-76. And so I sort of, I then p- positioned it up against the side of a building and just just far enough in front that I could see the tank on the angle to get the shot off. But if I got shot at in return, I was probably going to get cover for it. Yeah, okay. And then just to be sure, I put an infantry unit in front. Um, <laughs> that that way, if he shot at me, I was getting cover, and if I was going to go for the shot, I'd just move the unit. Um, <laughs> You've got 20 I, dice. It I played hard. Like <laughs> I, I played hard. Oh, no, I did. Um, <laughs> the, the, the things that really, um, I think, so I ended up winning the game. Um, so I kept, well I kept the objectives. Um, I was contesting the one that he was on, and he only had three lone infantry models from three different units that were actually on that last objective. Ouch. And I had I had eight rifles, free rifles, um, that had upgraded to regular sitting in contestion range. And I had two other units with three light machine guns firing down range as I'm trying to peg them off. Um, and an anti-tank rifle, I think. Um, my multi-launcher, because um, he had a full squad yeah, yeah, sitting yeah, yeah. on that objective. And I was, I was like, that's going to be a bit tough, so I'll go clear out this building and then I'll come across. And the multi-launcher rocks up and goes, what's up? And just deletes <laughs> the unit. <laughs> I, like, I hate multi-launchers so much. I, I like, and and the, the beauty, it, like, this one was, I've already painted it, but I, honestly, I might go back and do something more. because it, it's Put a kill ring on it? Moves and, it moves and fires, which is fantastic. <sighs> It hit in every game that it played. It rolled onto the board and insta hit something. I was just like, I, it has no right to be doing any of this. Um, Look, I have some good news. There is a the US now have a Katusha. Um, yay! Uh, I think it was in in, in the Maranao Islands. Look, yeah, yeah. The, we've got a Katusha now. I'm I'm calling it the the Katyanksha. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, okay, so. Um, any so any anyway, sort so, of fun tactic strategy? Any oh, yeah. little tricks that you pulled off in that yeah. one? So in in the second turn, where Quinn probably should have advanced his FSU seventy six because it was on a road and he could have repositioned, mm. um, and he wasn't behind any cover. He was just simply at me. But, mm. um, he instead chose to sit still and fire, yeah. um, which means that he doesn't take the minus one for yeah. the movement and the firing. And so I, I can't. You know, if he hit with it and destroyed the target, then you know that would have been. He's got free range. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, so I have to sort of just go. Yep, that was what he wanted to do. Um, I don't think it was necessarily a wrong move, but what it allowed me to do was the truck full of submachine gunners. Um, I just drove up on an advance twenty four inches and parked in front of it <laughs> sideways. Um, <laughs> and so you just blocked it was, into the corner. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Of course he did. Um, and that was, you know, and that was very much obviously a, um, in regular tournament etiquette, I would not have done such a thing. Um, in my regular tournament etiquette, I probably wouldn't have actually stooped to that point, but because my inexperienced list, um, I didn't really have any other options to deal with it. And right. I went this way, I can use my anti tank gun to sling one inch HE double pins at something else. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, And so I was like, I'm just going to lock it up and he's going to have to either shoot the truck or destroy it or whatever, I don't care. Um, 
And so what he did instead was bring a unit on from reserve and then my SMG unit and his unit slogged it out and he ended up winning the fight. Oh, okay. It took, it took, it took so long. <laughs> um, but by the time he got through them all, because I was passing. Morales, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. No right to pass. Um, and anyway, and I was changing dice and stuff. I'm going, this isn't right. We're going to change this out. It's like, roll 12. Okay, I'm staying. Um, and uh, yeah, so th there was definitely a few bits and pieces where, uh, you know, because of the number of dice that I had, um, it allowed me the opportunity to activate when we wanted pretty much unopposed mm -hmm. and, and, mm -hmm. and really apply our pressure. So what, what I needed to make sure of as the player was then to make sure that my target priority and my, my target acquisition of where I needed to put pins on things was spot on because you pick up seven dice for my LMG squads, providing they pass their Shoker test. Yeah. Roll. And what am I, what am I needing to hit? I was average sixes or yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for most of it, just, just by default of what it was. And so um, my sweet spot is like, you know, most people are like, oh, you know, I got a whole unit that lighted them up on threes. And I was like, I got a whole unit that lighted up on fives. <laughs> um, but but the, but it was simply through attrition of the number of pins. And eventually, and you probably would have noticed this in any mm -hmm. game, it's like, I just cleared those pins and you've put three more on. Thanks for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I did apologize actually to Quinn after the game because when I was – when I was drafting with this list, when I was, um, I did a little bit of digital playing on Tabletop Simulator. Oh, yeah. I did a little bit of paper playing because firstly, I wanted to understand how quickly do I need to make decisions to get mm -hmm. to turn five? Because that was obviously a key thing. If I wasn't able to play it and actually get to turn five, I wasn't going to bring it. Yeah, I think both games. I think sort of as a good rule of thumb, getting to the tail end of turn five on any tournament is it's a good benchmark like it's not it's yeah. not great you obviously want to get to the end of turn six every game and have 15 minutes left for the for the four yeah. plus if there's a turn seven especially on a two-hour time slot but but most games of bolt action are, are usually decided by the tail end of turn five so you should be getting to your last couple of units if you're doing that pretty reliably then you're doing okay you don't need to worry too much about speed Obviously, you know, keep in the back of your mind that it's a six possible seven turn game, but just just something to keep in mind. And I, and I tried really hard not to um, simply stall on a decision. And yeah. I was just I was taking decisions where I'm like, this probably isn't the best decision, but I need to make one, and it's the only one right now that's floating to the surface that yeah. I can compute. Therefore, I'm going to take it. Um, and so in both games, I got to the bottom of turn five in them. Yeah. Um, in Quinn's game, yeah, like, like he basically lost his um, left flank. There were three infantry models left. And on his other flank, he had two units of infantry, but one needed to sit on the objective and one could run forward. But I had three or four infantry units. They were only like, um, again, small infantry units. Yeah. But I had, I had enough there that it was going to be... Um, problematic for yeah, him to yeah. actually capture it which still meant that it was going to be a um two uh two objective to probably mm -hmm. zero or to one in my favor so i was still going to win on that anyway as opposed to our game where you know we, i wouldn't play our game any different to be honest for round two um and, i'll get yeah. into that when we recap round two uh, yeah so so my round one i was up against ben which is an albany local it was new to bolt action he was the ringer gumby for the event um, I think he played a couple of games of bolt action. He was 
honestly, a fabulous sport. I really hope he stays in the community and comes back. Unfortunately, the game was not particularly easy for him. Um, he had a, a, a Japanese list that had one unit of bamboo spearmen. Um, I think it was a medium or medium howitzer, a sniper, three squads of 10 with an LMG and an officer, uh, and a medium mortar as well. Uh, and it's not too bad to be honest. It, look, it's a, it's a very kind of, um, this is bolt action list. There's, there's, there's no funk in it. There's, there's very little like, um, armies of Imperial Japan in it, yeah. you know, no, no, no grenadier squads, no near mortars, um, you know, things no, that they, no lunch miners. Uh, sorry, he had two lunch miners as well. Um, you know, and, but even, even all that together, it's like, yeah, it's got a little armies of Imperial Japan, but, but you could, you could almost kind of carbon copy that into any nation. Yeah. And so, yeah, we were playing, of course we were playing the same mission. Um, we, I moved the objective on my right, a few inches that way, just to get it off road and into cover. And he yeah. moved it a little bit further back. Um, which, which was okay. I oh, guess. so he, he moved the same one. Yeah. He moved it a little further mm-hmm. back. Um, and, and he actually won the, uh, the table side roll off again, uh, same, same as in, in your situation, your opponent had it. And he picked the side of the table that he was standing on. Um, and, and you know, I was like, yeah, man, fair enough. I do that all the time. It's a good pick. And then I looked at the table and went, oh, he really did me a favor. Um, oh, yeah. Just, just because he had, and I talked to, to, to Gilly about this after the event. He had kind of a 24 by 24, roughly, box of fence um, on his side of the table. And, of course, that meant he could only advance over it. Yeah. Um, and only one of the objectives was in that box. Ooh, okay. Uh, then, and it wasn't the closest one. The closest one was in a river next to it, so you know he could he could he could run or adv- he could run onto that objective from his first wave, no problem. But yeah. it it meant that like you know he couldn't do two turns of running and then be in contestion for the other objectives. Uh, and and you know yeah. I did I did kind of two turns a run and then an advance, and I was holding one of the midfield objectives. Uh, and then on the other side of that obstacle was a road, and then there was a hedge that we talked about was line of sight blocking. So I could basically advance with impunity into knife fighting range against him. Now, of course, I didn't want to do that because getting into knife fighting range with the Japanese is a great way to get murdered. Um, but I, I hear they're pretty dangerous in combat, and and it was it, it was a lot of like little bits of tit for tat at the start, and then you know he he moved his medium mortar on. I moved a couple of infantry squads on here and there. Uh, and then I was waiting for his howitzer to come out. His howitzer came out, and it was in a nice open field. Makes sense. It had a gun shield, um, really good sight lines. But there was there was like a stone wall, a double stone wall that split the map lengthways. So it meant that if he was firing from, yeah, his howitzer was mostly centered, but it was a little skewed uh, off center. So if he was firing across his hard cover. Yeah, by and, default. And range, because he's no longer shooting like dead on. Now, yeah, sure, you know, medium, medium howitzer getting range on a, a direct, the range modifying or direct shot's not super common, but I'm like, man, I'll take fives all day, you, you know, especially yeah. because that was one of his main anti tank threats. Um, yeah. I was like, man, I'll take, I'll take five of a medium howitzer hitting one of my Shermans every day of the week. And so, 
once that was out, um, and obviously I couldn't do anything about his lunge miners, he moved his big block of infantry basically through that that wheat field is where he was blocked in. But it was right. a, it wasn't a dense wheat field. There was there was basically like a couple of hay bales in there, and that's it. So yeah, he had no cover when I was up against the fence, and of course he had neg one at least light cover shooting across the fence. Back. Yeah, and so then, um, you know. I very luckily advanced one of my Shermans on, took 10 MMG shots at the medium mortar from like hard cover way downtown and I kill it. <laughs> and I'm like, That's okay. what we like to see. Okay, fine. <laughs> and then he's just like, okay, it's going to be that kind of game. Uh, and then and then he moves a sniper onto, onto that, that objective. And then, um, you know, I had my 12-man squad, 12-man squad, my two sixes, and my Shermans were kind of moving up through the middle in the windmill. And, and I had a howitzer there as well, but I kind of didn't have any sight lines because of that big line of hedge for my howitzer. Um, I actually ended up running it for four turns and I only fired it twice. We did end up getting to turn six. Like one, of, it was two indirects and it was like, it was like, okay. Because <laughs> I just didn't really, I couldn't see much. Uh, yeah. And I was like, I might as well try to get him onto an objective. Uh, and so I kept- it's funny, when, it's funny when that actually becomes like, it's like, okay, I can only move six a turn, but if I start now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, rule number one, do cardio. Uh, so I used one six-man squad to capture the backfield objective. Sent the other six-man squad on my right flank to capture the objective that we moved. And he was moving his bamboo spearmen over. And I was able to get that squad um, into position, into hard cover against that alley without being line of sight to the howitzer. I was like, these guys are uh, safe. Because yeah. they're basically the opposite side of his main force. All they have to do is survive against the bamboo spearmen. And and so I kept the 12-man squad kind of in the middle, ready to move left or right, depending on how it went. Um, you know, I moved my other 12-man squad up, killed the lunge miner, rolled the Shermans forward, killed the second lunge miner. And then I was like... Uh, I mean, the lunge miner is meant to kill the Sherman, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then I just kind of went... He, he can't answer this. So then I just rolled my Shermans up to his fence and I was just point blanking units with main guns or MMG in this like 24 by 24 kill box. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, I, I moved my, I advanced my guys up against hard cover, shot at the bamboo spearmen, killed the whole bunch. Um, they charged me next turn. I got the fire before they charged because the turn had ticked over. That's and then, and then it was a defended obstacle and it was like, basically even numbers of regulars versus Ooh. inexperienced. Um, and so we went to a couple of rounds of combat, but I did win it. But at that point I had like three, guy, three guys left in the squad. Nobody could see them. And they're yeah. on the objective. I was like, okay, like, okay, okay. Uh, and then he had his third squad come off reserve. My One of my 12-man squads was in the killing field. And because he, you know, he went down, obviously, when I shot at him and his officer was there, I was actually having a hard time killing the units. I was taking yeah. chunks out of them, um, but it took... But not a, actually killing them off. Yeah, it probably took about two or three turns of Shermans just gunning this wheat field to actually kill three or four units. <laughs> just bits and bits of wheat just sort of yeah. flying everywhere. <laughs> and then uh, his, you know, his 10-man his squad came on and I had a squad of seven and... Uh, at that point, they were on like three pins and yeah, everybody was kind of shooting at each other at that point. Uh, my other 12-man squad just sauntered towards his sniper team, just advance, shoot, advance, shoot, advance, shoot, finally killed them. Um, I ended up having three objectives 
out of the four. I had my seven-man squad on four pins. I declared a charge against this officer because that was the only thing holding that objective. And I was like, it's the last dice of... Let's it's the last dice of turn six. This is the only way I can get that objective. Of course, it fails. They just go down. Um, and then that, that was the game. So I <laughs> didn't... thought you were going to tell me a miraculous story uh, of insane courage. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just a Japanese officer cutting down like seven guys. Uh, I would have loved to see that. Um, it's, it's actually secretly what I was hoping for because Ben and I would have had a great time watching this officer just like, um, yeah cut down all these dudes but no uh yeah it was it was uh three three out of four to me plus i think i got all bar two of his order dice as well because it was one point for order dice so yeah it was it was um it was a good good first round um for me at mm. least and, and ben ben had a good time uh, which is the important part uh, i think it's yeah. it, it's very it's actually this is something that, that I think um, people need to be more aware of. It's very easy to have a good time playing bolt action and play competitively. I think for, for whatever reason, some people think that if you're winning and demolishing your opponent, then uh, you're either a dick or that person's having a bad time. Like those, those three things aren't always true at the same time. You can, you can be a good player and a good sport and make sure your opponent is having fun and still win. Those things are possible. Well, and, and even, you know, you put, cause I was making some commentary before as, as we were getting into some of the trash talking as leading into the event and all the things that do. And, um, you know, I was so sure that I was going to get pantsed. I was, I was going to go zero four. I was absolutely sure that that's what was going to happen. And, and so I was, I was making some, probably some rash statements and you were just like, just, um, Chill for a sec, Dan. There's yeah. a lot of things that can happen on the day. Yeah. And yeah. as it turned out, you know, um, I sort of had to eat crow a little bit because <laughs> I won, won the first game. I gave you a run for your money on oh, round two. <laughs> I never want to remember round two. We have to. We've got to tell the listeners what happened. All right. I mean, ahead, Dan. You, you, can... you did you did win. So this this was on the frontal assault mission. And and the I will... the objectives have to flip. I will happily hand over that win to you. And, and even at the, <laughs> at the end of the round, I was like, look, we'll score it. That's what the rules say. But I, I, I'm fairly certain you've said this. I was like, Dan, as far as I'm concerned, you won that mission. Like, Yeah. Look, it's, it was, I don't know if I would be willing to say that I would claim victory for you. Um, <laughs> I think it would have been a draw. I don't think I would have had enough to the win. Um, but I, I do think it probably would have been draw. But... We really need to talk about what happened. <laughs> yeah, go so, ahead. I mean, so, look, let's let's le- re- replay round two. I had eight dice in the bag. You had 20. I just sat there and watched you pin my units for two hours. <laughs> and watched your MRL hit four units. Uh, never yeah, again. So, um, so Gorchen had... Um, so he was playing defense and was trying to move on and maintain a defensive line to be able to... Put, repel the inexperienced hordes. The board we were playing on had um, a lot of forest, and a couple of buildings mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. it, um, uh, but it was actually, I thought it was fairly okay um, in yeah. terms of its its terrain density. It felt felt kind of good. The forests were a good size. Yeah, I think it was, big, it was it was outcrops. It was maybe light on scatter. Correct. Yeah. If but again, that's there's no. Uh, there's no requirement for there to be scatter. Yeah. It was basically you either had blocks of forests or buildings, or that was about it, which is that's, a perfectly that's reasonable table. Yeah, 
that's why I fired the smoke gorge in, so we would have scatter. Um, yes, I used smoke. Um, no, it was not effective. Yes, I'll do it again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just, uh, just every time you fired it and it missed, I just put it in front of your Ziz too. <laughs> and that leads me to, you know, what was I going to be using my Ziz 2 for? Well, I, I, because of what was happening, I actually had to move my Ziz 2. And so I was like, blow it. I'm just, I'm just going to run it up to the side of the house then and start just point blanking the objectives. And so that was my plan was to actually just run the Ziz 2 to where my infantry currently were. So, and if you managed to somehow survive, I was just going to start hitting you with... <laughs> Yeah, I, I, there was no way I was going to answer that particular movement anyway. It was, um, so if we just, I guess, talk through the game. So I I think you picked table side and yep. I got to choose attacker defender. And yes. and I read this mission, I actually read through the players back several times for the event and, and kind of built quick strategies in my head. I looked at that mission and I went, do not play attacker. Whatever, if you get the choice, don't pick attacker, pick defender. And then, and then I looked at your list and we talked through it. And then I got the defender role and I was like, you have shirkers. I was just like, by all means, my friend, you can come to me. Good luck. <laughs> Good luck. I was like, and I remember that you immediately said something like I had all of these strategy plans for how to play this mission in defense. And in defense. Yes. Because I was, I was sure that my opponents were going to turn around and go in attacking inexperienced guys oh let's do it and and you you of course didn't because you did what i did and read the mission and went attacking is really hard on this mission yes um, and so so yes i had uh i had planned out where my objectives were going to go how we were going to anti off i had um wherever my the opponent put their objective i knew where my optimal placement was for the other objective so i could defend it better and keep it further away um ironically it's exactly what you did um <laughs> Um, and so anyway, so I was put into a position where I suddenly had to attack and I drew a box on my, um, on my little diagram of like, if I have to attack, it makes most sense to put virtually everything in this smaller little deployment zone. Yeah. And I drawn on my yeah, map yeah, a, yeah, little, yeah. a little parallelogram and that's pretty much where I deployed everything. Um, it's it's that so, death ball square punch yeah. thing in bolt yeah. action. Just, yeah. just was, pick a and, point and drive it. And I'm just going to have to force hard and just go in. I knew I had the forward deploying anti-tank teams. And so because I deliberately put my objective as the attacker on that midline yeah. center, I was able to flip that one very easily because you weren't in contestion. It's very typical for that first one to get flipped by the attacker. Um, and then the defender will just let it go because they've still got two. Why would they bother going for the third? I, I will point out, though, that that like... You moved the first couple of dice. You moved some some units forward. You, I think you failed a, a shark and roller tour. Oh no, we we went down with all of our units at first, so we just milled them In out reserve. of the bag. Um, and then and then you, your your unit was on it, and I knew the objective flipped at the end of the turn. So I was like, I'll just indirect it with my howitzer. Uh, <laughs> and I, th I think you went down um, in response. Uh, just because why the hell not? You're on the objective anyway. And then yeah. I remember I was like. I need a six to hit. There's no way. But if I get it, you can't move anything else onto it. I mean, it's just, it's not going to delay you because if you've got 20 dice, you can chuck another unit on it. But I'm like, at least it'll be funny. And I roll it and I get the six. And I remember both of us just like yelling and hooting. And then we, we were, because it was the sort of thing where like you were looking at it going, okay, I have one howitzer shot and I need to make the most impact with this howitzer shot that I possibly can. 
And realistically, and we looked down the board, it's like, Dan's been a jerk and hidden everything. And I can really, really see these guys. So not, we're just going to go for them. And, uh, I get the and, and I remember you rolling it. And I just, and I just went, we got to roll to hurt them. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then I rolled a one to wound. I didn't even kill one. There was a possibility that they were going to hang around, and I was just like, "Oh, this would be classic if I, if they, if he." And then I was like, "No, I got to do my Soviet morale check," and he failed that, and he ran, so it was okay. But um, but it, but it was like it was very much like that one guy was potentially just going to go, no. Nah. <laughs> and then, and then and then to your credit, you moved other juicier targets in front of my howitzer, so I yeah. I gave up on the zeroing. I mean, I was zeroed in, but I was like, "You've already flipped the objective." It's yes. two guys, one Panzerfaust. I have a whole bunch of infantry around. I don't care. I'm going to go yep. shoot some other priority targets. So, so credit to you by giving by presenting target saturation, right? Because it would have been the, the easiest, or arguably, I think you actually moved the unit before I got to that two plus anyway. But even if you didn't, I still would have had a really time justif- a really hard time justifying hitting that unit on the two plus at that point yes. in the turn. Uh, and this was yep. round two, right? So this is the thing that we talk about. It's like, yeah, somebody zeroed in, but I think you had a squad out in the open in front of my howitzer, or it might've been, been resist two or out. something like that. I was like, I gotta, yep. I, I don't care about these two guys with rifles on, on the objective that's already flipped and a Panzerfaust. Like, I don't care. Take it. I will risk the further shot. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And, and I did find when playing it through in practice, um, the, the biggest the biggest parts of my list that uh, that needed concentrating on was that target priority. Yeah. Talked about earlier. Um, and then also um, trying to be deceitful in where my attacks were going to come from. Uh, so I've got 20 units, yeah. double of the yeah. attacking units. But how can I, how can I psychologically hide what I'm actually going to try to do before I'm ready to spring my trap? And, and that was very hard. Even though I've got 20 units to do, things with um you know it, it was about i've got to try and distract you i've got to try and throw units out that i actually i don't want you to kill it but i actually would prefer you kill this than this other thing that i'm going to do yeah um and, and then and i had to do that the whole game yeah not that, not that you really needed much help on that one i couldn't kill a damn thing in our game um this is I, true. Ha- I had so just 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 before i move on to round two round one um you uh, I had a unit. We had. I got hit by prep bombardment, and I lost one guy out of my howitzer crew, and, and then a few smattering of pins. I had a squad of six on one pin. The first officer wasn't next to them, so it was, so it was a morale eight. You move a squad of five, and I looked at where those guys were, and I was like, if they pass the order check with an advance, I can expose myself to only this one squad inside of twelve inches. I'm not going to be exposed to any other other units, and it's going to be. I think it was seven or eight shots. Hitting on threes, wounding on threes. I was like, it's a dead squad. And then I, I yes. roll it and I get an 11. And I'm like, oh, okay, all right. <laughs> I will go down <laughs> on a single pin. Uh, and then and then round two rolls over. One of my Shermans. A bit, for, bit foretelling, maybe. <laughs> yeah. And then round two, you run a squad into that building with my six-man yeah. squad having, having a kit, having a light and- that building is essentially 10 inches from his board edge because that unit yeah. ran for two turns to get there. And yeah. I did I did that on the thought process that I was contesting the objective. And and look, even 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 though you weren't, it still forced me to get rid of the unit. Yes. Because I, then 
all I had left at that point to really respond with was one of my squads of 12 went down in reserve. Yep. So I only had my other squad of 12 that was on the field. So my other squad of six was out in another flank. Um, ironically, I think we both took the same bait on that flank. Yeah, and we did. Because I wanted to do this big kind of like, oh, there's a squad of six over here. You don't know what they're going to do. They're regulars of the BAR. And then you threw a squad of 12 in a truck, SMGs at them, <laughs> 20 tank teams, and your armored car at them. And I was like, I don't know which one of us took the bait, but I think we both did. No no joke. I remember I remember after moving the, because um, I was contemplating with the SMGs. Yeah. I was like, oh, do, do I really need, like the SMGs will kill the unit and yeah, that'll yeah. just deal with it. Um, because I knew the inexpired, inexperienced rifles weren't going to be able to hold on. And the anti-tank rifles were simply trying to get pins on the unit. And they were doing that just fine, yeah. They were doing great. And I was like, if I commit the SMG unit here, I sacrifice the ability. What I was going to do is run them at 36. Right, with one okay. pivot, And I was just going to go 18 this way, 18 that way, and be ready to hit your backline objective yeah, with yeah, the SMG yeah, yeah. unit. Yeah. And I went, I can't risk that you have a really good role because you've had some shocking roles. So I can't risk you have a regression really good to role the <laughs> and you just, yeah, regression back to the standard of, of statistics. And you just like annihilate three units in the space of a turn magically. And then that SMG unit is actually needed to deal with that flank. Yeah. Um, and so I went, no, I'm going to overcommit. I knew I was overcommitting and um, I did kill the unit. Um, but no surprise. It, was, it was, it was like, I was like, I got to, you know, and they're all inexperienced or whatever. It's like, I think I got to like, I wasn't point blank range, but I was I was within twelve or whatever, um, and it was still almost sixes to hit. Yeah, with SMGs. Five. Yeah, I was, like it was just it was like this is ridiculous. Like I should be on like threes or twos. What's going on? Um, I was like, no, nah, fives for you. Uh, um, there were on three pins. Yeah. There was four of them left. You just hosed them. It was it was no yeah. I just hosed them down. But um, that, this this squad of two not contesting one of my objectives in a building next to my deployment zone. I I had nothing to answer them with, and I knew if I yeah. it. it Defending any defensive line, I guess, conceptually speaking, is one of those things that once one gets in, the whole thing falls apart real quick. Yes. you got to not let that first one in, and you got to fight tooth and nail. So I couldn't just leave the squad in there. So I move on a squad of 12, and I dump 14 shots. I think it was like two guys in a building. Um, yeah, there weren't many left afterwards. They, they all evaporated. Yeah, but I think it, I think it was like a Panzerfaust team or something. It wasn't. It wasn't like a, I, don't I know. think it was. I think it was the second tank hunter team. Right. Yeah. 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 And because yeah, they, they were they were behind the church and then they ran right, out yeah, yeah, and then your yeah. reserves didn't come on and I went oh they're alive and so I ran them further. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. My squad of six didn't come around the corner and hose them. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the squad yeah. of twelve runs on and I kill them. But then I used a full squad of twelve riflemen. Um, in cover to kill two guys in a building like it just felt so bad but i knew i had to do it especially because the way that the map had laid out and where you deploy where you deployed your sis and your other panzerfaust team meant that i had this really nice almost straight line from my board edge up to a piece of cover just in case anything tried to shoot at my sherman there was like cover in the way that i could just cut your force through straight line through your yeah. force and at that point there was line of sight blocking stuff in the way so it was only fighting you know squads of five Abortion. inexperienced guys that's it easy and, and easy stuff to roll on and just hose with your machine guns. Oh, and then my shermans couldn't kill a thing <laughs> so uh, i had I had two units of five that were literally just point blank 
perfect targets in any other, literally any other game that I play with Gorchin. He would have annihilated them. And both squads not only didn't die from being shot at, both squads were reduced and knocked down to two men or less <laughs> and passed their morale checks. <laughs> it was it was awful. So awful. And then my shamans came on piecemeal so you could react to them. In terms of, you know, if one of them came on um, and then you did a whole bunch more activations and a second one came on, you, you know, you couldn't go down. I could just mow on through. But of course, one of them yeah. came on, turn, and the other one goes down, turn resets. I get my yeah. second squad of 12 on. In between this, you put seven pins on a 12-man <laughs> infantry squad in cover. I was like, good God, man. I managed to rally off most of them, but I was like, what is this nightmare that I exist in? What is, and, and at that and point, they were reduced down to like still nine guys. I only lost still nine three. Guys. And I hadn't just... actually, I, that, that was the funnier part. I'd put seven pins on you, but I hadn't killed seven infantry models. It was, <laughs> it could not believe it. Uh, I think that's where the regression to the meme went is that yes. like, you got no no kills on your small arms. You just got a stupid amount of pins. And then, I mean, yeah. Then then I did then I did the thing, and then, and I rolled I rolled the multi launcher on. Um, and so Gorchin has just got his second set of twelve on, and everybody has just got ready for the turn. And uh, I'm I'm and in a I've good got, spot. I'm feeling fine. You're in I a got, good spot. Genuinely, I got both good Shermans spot. on. I got. One squad of six is is dead or about to die. The other squad of six is in cover. I got a, a squad of twelve is, is 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 in position, ready to do some work. The other one's reduced down to nine. They're on one or two pins. My first officer's there. My howitzer's on two guys. He's got line of sight. I'm good. I'm good. This, I was like, all right, this is this is the big second armored has rocked up. Here comes the big counter attack, and then and I position the multi launcher. <laughs> I, I position the multi-launcher and I look at his units and I'm like, where can I get the most impact? Where is my best line for it? And I went, it is actually targeting the 12 guys on seven pins in cover already right yeah. now. They're probably yeah. the, best, the best target for me because if I tick over and generate three pins, they pin out and they just pop automatically. Yep. Um, and I was like, that, that, I mean, if you play bolt action, really sorry, don't lie about it. That always feels good. Um, <laughs> Routing you. I missed that unit completely, but there were two others in range. Yeah, so and one squad of six closed. is dead, uh, and, and the other squad of 12 gets reduced down to, like, four guys stretched over this huge line. Um, <laughs> and so Gorchin's, Gorchin's defenses, whereas I feel really strong here, and they're on seven <laughs> pins. <laughs> oh, man. And then, and then I, I guess, like, you keep pressing towards me... Um, Oh, I was relentless. Yeah, Everything your, I could was just your, your rifleman squad upgrades to regulars. Uh, <laughs> your SMG guys are, are still out of range. I managed to take a truck. Your armored cars moving forward. And I've, I think I've slowly picked up maybe about four or five of your dice. I think yeah, here and like there. the ones and twos the, and the, the five mans that are. Yeah, yeah. The, the two Panzerfaust units I got, and I think I got a couple yeah. of the other squads and things like that, and, and a transport. But and but it wasn't. Yeah, you're up to about five dice. Yeah, and I'm like, and then you know my Shermans are now now you've got no anti tank threats. I can see my Shermans, and I've parked them in front of my of my objective, uh, yeah. the one that you were contesting. I was like, I have <laughs> created the Sherman wall. Good luck. Uh, machine guns are going to start blazing, and then your Katusha just deletes one of my shirts. <laughs> so my father, my father-in-law came down because um, uh, he he lives near near Albany, and so he came down and was watching. And I literally had just made a comment to him after Gorchin had moved his Germans in. I went, Pete, 
I've got nothing that's going to deal with those Shermans. I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to have to like retreat and just be like, just running for the hills as I'm being chased by a Browning 50 machine, 50 caliber <laughs> machine gun bullets. And then the little Kayushka just goes, Oh yeah, little faith. And just <laughs> nukes it from orbit. I was like, what just happened? <laughs> and, and, and this is the thing you needed a six to hit. Um, it's, I think we, we figured out it was going to be a four plus for a superficial and a five yep. plus for a pen, or it might be out by one. It might be three for a superficial four for a pen. You get I roll. six to hit six to penetrate. And then I'm like, it's fine. He's going to go to the vehicle damage table. 50% chance the Sherman's still good. If it's immobilized and turret jammed, it's no problem. The Katusha's between me and a whole bunch of enemies. Um, it, you know, the pins, I can move my officer. It's really not a big deal gets the six i'm just yeah, like just delete uh, <laughs> and i um, just i just want everybody to know that, that was a one in 218 roll and it hurt. it really hurt <laughs> yeah uh, yeah it was it's the sort of thing where i was just like how many points did i pay for that <laughs> and then and then i think the the rest of the game just felt like a soviet horde moving towards me me trying to do my best to not lose any units to morale and order checks. Uh, and then... and then you were going down a lot. I had to. Issues. I didn't have a choice. I just yeah. did not have a choice. Because they were on the objective. And I was like, yeah. as long as they're alive on the objective, you can't capture them. Correct. That's all yep. that matters. You can't contest them. And even... And even in the last turn, because yeah. because I was playing under the false understanding, which which I'm fine with, by the way, like for listeners and stuff, is like it's not like it's not like I feel like Gorgian deliberately duped me or anything. It's fine. Um, well, we had access it, to the same information. That's right. And guess who didn't read it? The TO. <laughs> didn't read the players' um, fair. <laughs> didn't read it close enough. And but, and um, actually, um, w- what had happened was there, and you were like, "Oh, the the object's objective in contested." And I went, "Look, in normal missions, it is." And, yeah. and rather than explaining to you, I went, just just read it, make up your own mind. And if you yes. disagree, then we can talk about it. Then we can talk about and it. And then yeah, you yeah. read it and you just went, oh, no, you're right. It's your objective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah. And, and I was like, I, can't, I, remember, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> well, and then I remembered to go, that's why you wanted to be Defender, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, um, and and then I think I think we actually even just like pretended to activate the last 10 dice oh, out of yeah, 10 five. Yeah. Because you just went, yeah. you just went this dice, and I, and you said I don't think I can actually do anything. And then we said, okay, next yeah. dice, next dice, next dice. I, and we just went, I did the math. I did the math in my head of okay, how far do I need these units to go for them to be effective on getting to those? And I went, I can't flip those objectives. So yeah. that means what we're playing for kills. And the only thing that I think I could get a kill with. So we played out a couple of those rounds, which I lost both. Um, yeah, <laughs> which. That's fine. Um, and then you ended up with the four-point differential and got the win. Yeah, yeah. And and I will not not very easily. And again, I, I appreciate you being very gentlemanly about the draw, but, but yeah. I, I mean, we played the mission as is. We played rules as written, and that, that's and that's how we scored it. But but looking at that mission design, I had... And just the outcome of the mission, I had no business claiming the win. Like... I. I think if if the first if I hadn't knocked out the Sherman, for example, with the multi launch, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Then, then I definitely think, yeah, it was in your space. The fact that I killed one, I was starting to get a little bit cocky, going, "Oh, maybe." maybe no, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. But but <laughs> again, it was I couldn't have the Sherman in range of both objectives. They were too far apart. Yeah. My Sherman was my second Sherman was not long enough. 
So you would have been able to flip at least one objective, at least one of as them. the game yeah. as the game went on. But we played it to the end of turn six. We didn't get a turn seven, and we were out of time anyway. I think we only had five yes. minutes left, and we, yeah. and we said if we if we start at turn seven, even if we did get it, it would unfairly advantage the person who was more dice in the bag, which is something you have to be 100%. mindful of with your opponent. Um, and, and we looked and- at it and went, yeah, yeah, that's game. And from my point of view as well, like I don't want to start a turn knowing that I have twenty. Well, at that yeah. point I had like you know, 15. fifteen. It was fifteen to five. Still that fifteen. Point. Yeah, I was like, I I don't want to start a turn knowing that there's a good chance my dice are going to come out, and I could simply stall for time for the draw, or I could, um, you know, it's like I'd rather if we don't have time for the entire turn, then we simply turn the other way. Yeah, it just just keeps yeah. it clean, um, and yeah. there's no hurt feelings that way. And and I will point out Maybe. Yeah, I did take a multi which across <laughs> I will point out that across the tournament, uh all four rounds, total cumulative, I lost four auto dice across the entire weekend, and three of them were to you in that one game. <laughs> and two of them were to your multi launcher. <laughs> three. Uh, oh no, it was two because I didn't quite nuke the other squad. Yeah, I don't. I can't remember how you yeah. got the th- no. The third order dice was your S and G's taken down by squad of six. Yeah. yeah. So just just to give you an idea of 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 how much that game affected me, uh, it was it was it was brutal. <laughs> I'm so, was so glad. Traumatized. He yeah. never lost another unit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think I, I lost one more because I didn't lose any in the first game, but I lost one later. Oh, okay. Um yeah, and so that, that brings us to round three. Unfortunately, you had a work emergency and you had to duck out yeah. for rounds three and four. Um, and then, so round three was Kitty Hawk down, which... Did you get hit by the plane? You know it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and again, Kitty Hawk down for a um, competitive scenario. I, I think if you're going to do that scenario competitively you should probably not have the kill part of the, the Kitty Hawk. I think it's it's a it's a little column A, column B, like you can, you can't. It's just that, the you know, do you want the strategy to be playing for the objective once it finally gets on, or do you want the strategy to be everybody hanging out, playing some long-range shots, and then all vomiting onto the objective at the end? And and that that's ultimately up to the TO. I think, I think for me... I really like Kitty Hawk Down as a mission. I think it's super fun. Um, I, but I think in a competitive space, that one um, I would I would not include just generally. I think you have to take too much out of what makes that mission fun to make it feel fair. Because, uh, you know, you could just be winning, demolishing your opponent, hold, controlling the entire board. The, the D6 rolls are a bit brutal. You get splattered by the plane and then you lose. And it's like, yeah. yeah, that feels really good. I had a lot of agency in that game. Um, so I played against Justin, um, who is one of the guys in Perth who has been shadow running a lot of the events for a couple of years. So you've been you've been the TO, the front man on the day, but he's the one sort of organizing them, writing players' packs, figuring out sponsors and stuff. Yep. This is actually the first yep. time I've played Justin because um, he moved to... He moved to Canada just as I started playing. So basically, I've been playing in uh, the events that he has built and run. And he's just... <laughs> uh, and so now he finally gets to play. And we finally get to play. And I think also the table... Um, somebody pointed this out to us later on. But so the, the table has a trench line that forms a complete U. It's an above-ground earthworks trench. 
Then there's a trench here that goes like this and that closes the U, but it doesn't quite join it. There's, a, there's gaps in the corners. And then attached to this cap is a series of like three bunker systems, again, joined by an earthwork berm. So there's like three buildings roughly in the center and there's stupid amounts of hard cover everywhere. <laughs> Uh, plus, there's a there's a line of sight blocking bit of tree that goes in between the center of the U. So you end up with this like snake through the center of the board where there's the only real movement. Um, and and the way that we decided the the earth berms were is that track vehicles couldn't cross them. That, that's what we agreed on at the start. Yeah, it was kind sense. of like uh, it could either go it could go either way. He had a Sherman and a, and a Bren carrier, um, and I had sorry he had a Stewart and a Bren carrier, and I had two Shermans, and so it was kind of like. Either way, both of us, it would have benefited us for it to be open, but we just looked at it and we just went, no, I think it was just a little bit too hot. But then uh, we said you couldn't run over it because it's you know earthworm track, so you have to advance into it and into it, stuff like that. And then after the game, one of the other people pointed out that the trenches weren't exactly centered. So one of you could advance from your board edge into the trench, not fully in, but you could get your bases in and the other one couldn't, which mm-hmm. meant that you could get, you basically ended up with, with one person having to do three advances and the other person having two to get over the trench. Yep. It's not a, not a huge difference again, because the plane comes down in turn four, but it just meant that say, for example, for my howitzer, it could be firing a turn earlier. Um, Cause I could, I could run it and just touch, touch the cover so it could see through it. Um, and I, and I also think it's, um, there's a slight finesse there as a player, which you could potentially do something with. Yeah, if, yeah. if you, you know, like for my list with 20 dice, being able to get simply more men on or around mm-hmm, an objective mm-hmm. quicker does make a difference. Um, minuscule, potentially, it depends on what yeah, you need to do. Yeah. Um, I think it's just something to be mindful of something like that is just yeah. if you have these big sort of features that the snakes throughout the whole table or really cut off large parts of the table from generic movement. Be, um, yeah, just check. I'm the do- yeah, just just double check you got your distances right. I actually helped set up a bunch of tables. And that was one of the ones that I set up and I never thought to measure it. And I don't think I ever would have unless somebody pointed that out to me after the game. I think yeah. the, and this is also true. So it's true for me in round one, true for round three and round four. Be really careful as a TO to set up long, unbroken structures of obstacles, uncrossable terrain of any kind or something like that. I know it kind of looks nice and, and it sells something. Oh, it looks amazing. Just get rid of a few pieces of fence at roughly equal distances. Okay, it, it opens up the board. It opens up firing lanes. It opens up maneuver lanes. Uh, and it feels better to play in. Uh, yes, there's no... There's no kind of I won by terrain movement or, you know, controlling dominating that kind of goes away. But that's kind of one of those things where it is a bit of feel bad, right? Because if if you don't see it, you pick the wrong side of the table, your opponent suddenly has the right terrain and all they have to do is sit in it and kill you. Like, what do you do? It doesn't it doesn't feel very good. One one of the worst experiences that I think um, I could ever deliver for a player when running an event is for them to have spent all the time building, testing, playing with their army list, or simply just rocking it with it on the day after having painted it or anything like that, and then put it at a spot where 
because they lost the roll off, the table is. Um, I don't mind a little bit of give or take. Yeah, yeah, of course. Side, yeah. But where the table is actually so unfairly balanced that they they really are actually put at disadvantage. Yeah. And sometimes, depending on the list that you take, you could end up disadvantaged anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, like you're but, never going to get rid of that completely. No, but but certainly for someone who I would take who takes, for example, what I as you said earlier, like, like learn bolt action. This is a bolt action for me or sort of similar things that you would see um, in a standard reinforced platoon. For a list like that to be playing on it and go, wow, this is nothing but like a, like a minefield for my guys to yeah, walk into yeah. because I can't, I've got nothing that protects me from HE. For yeah, example. yeah, yeah. Um, you know, not, I mean, no, no. You really yeah, 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 from yeah. HE, you just don't, you try to stay out of line of sight of HE, but, um, but if you don't have anything that blocks on, the side, on your side of the table, what do you do? You, you can't, you just have to run. No, no hard carver, no line of sight. Yeah. So just yep. just some things to keep in mind. Um, I will also add that the, that the quality of the terrain at, at the Albany, at Southern Trust, was insane. It was it was yep. leaps and bounds above what we've seen in Perth. We've talked about how good it is in Perth, but I think the just the average quality was, was, was just really top-notch. Um, so the tables were beautiful. Some of them, from a gameplay perspective, were... Um, it could could have could have done with some work. Um, the I mean, credit where credit is due, right? This um, Gilly's first attempt at trying yeah. to pull one of these together. So I, and I he did a phenomenal first, job. Yeah. I th- well, I think his first setups were better than my first oh, setups. Yes. When I so, and, and so I'm just like from my point of view, I'm like these are amazing. Yeah, <laughs> they, they are. They are. And I think it's it. And, and full disclosure, Gilly asked. Uh, us both he's like when you guys do your event recap don't don't pull punches anything that you see as a flaw let us know and and be honest about it i can take criticism um and and these are all things i have already uh, spoken to killy about so it won't be news to him either um so anyway so this game against justin kitty hawk down first wave um standard i think his list was a squad of commandos the squad of chindits um bren carrier stewart first lieutenant sniper and a howitzer think they're mine and a naval observer let's not forget the naval observer uh and so he you know we we played the game of of uh of first wave and i i just moved like I, I got one squad fire on my right flank i got one squad fire on my left flank my two squads of sixes in the middle and my two shermans and this is it was actually something i said out loud to to justin because i was like if I go outside the trench system, it's going to be, we said it was line of sight blocking. So I was like, okay, I can't shoot into it. So the, all you have to do is cross the trench and you're safe, which you can do from your deployment because I didn't know that he needed an extra movement, but it, it wasn't going to make a difference. Um, okay, so what does a big flanking maneuver look like? If I think you're going to sit in your trench line, how do I how do I defeat that? I go long way around. And I was like, the table's 48 long. That's two turns of running, and then I've just made it to your deployment zone, at which point I've massively telegraphed what I'm doing, and you know it's coming, and all you have to do is advance out from basically the center of your trench to the (laughs) other side of your trench, and you're still going to be in hardcover, and and I'm burned. So, and then I was like, Kitty Hawk is going to come roughly center, right? It's it's a sum of 10d6, so it averages out to be near the center of the board, um, just because of the law of averages. Um, and and then I'm like, oh, I have to. I just have to move my Shermans to the middle. I don't have a choice. I have to risk it because if I go anywhere else, they're not going to do anything, and my list just falls apart without the Shermans. 
right? It's the list is purely um, Shermans kill stuff that kills infantry, infantry kill stuff that kills Shermans. That's the list, right? I, I need them to work together. So we end up in this thing where both my Shermans make this little convoy around the middle and everything's still in hard cover. So I'm just plinking away with MGs trying to put a pin out. Um, Howard, sir, top of turn two, gets the six on the sniper. Kills the, kills the loader, doesn't, doesn't force the... Uh, it passes the morale check. Um, and then uh, you, I do some movements around here. His naval observer comes in, or he, he, he declares the target basically center of the board, and it's a building. So rather than it being you know the dot, it's, it's this big. And I'm like, I can't do anything about that except run. Uh, there was a, a literally he targeted the building, and a couple of my squads just went <laughs> just yeah. out there. But I, I was like, my Shermans have activated. Like I just wear this, um, and uh, uh, yeah, and then. You know, that, that sort of rolls over. We're doing, you know, he's trying to get some indirects on me. Nothing's really happening um, with his. Uh, uh. And then round two is a bit more of that. Um, round three is, this is just when it all goes crazy. So the, uh, I think his, his uh, observer, oh no, he couldn't, he couldn't call it in round one. So he calls it in round two because he had to advance on. So he called it in round advance two. Um and it gets delayed, so it doesn't come in round three. Ooh, okay. Uh, and so I'm like, I just got to keep going. Like I can't, I can't hide from because he's put the observer in the center of the board. I can't hide from it, right? Because no. then all he's going to do is going to push me back. He's going to be on the objective. Then I have to fight for the objective. My chance is to stop him from getting to the objective. If I have to sacrifice yeah. a Sherman or two to do it, I have no choice. So I yeah. said to myself. Um, so, <laughs> so, and then, um, so turn three, my, he fires his sniper. Um, okay. And, okay. and so then my howitzer just deletes it. Fine. Um, so that, that's, that's the first unit for me there. Cause it's zeroed in, right? It's, it's one guy. He's fired. Even if he goes down, it doesn't matter. I just delete the sniper anyway. So I take that auto dice. Um, and, and basically I'm moving one 12 man squad through the trench line on the far left. And the other one is on the far right snaking through. He's plinking at me with brain carriers and rifles from his naval observer. And he's like killing one or two every time. And I'm in hard cover at range. And sometimes he's moving. I'm like, come on, man. <laughs> and, and so they're, they're making their way across. Uh, and my shamans are moving through again, just machine guns. Everything's in hard cover or small team at this point. And then, we got around four, and his naval observer comes in, and the plane comes in, all oh, at the same time. Oh no! Uh, and and so his <laughs> naval comes in, and it scatters. Uh, it scatters towards his lines. It okay. it puts three pins on Crazy Train, which is near on the center of the board, and it puts uh, one pin on Lady Luck, which is my other Sherman, and he puts a pin on his Chindit squad. That's his naval observer done. I was like, oh okay, wow, safest houses. And then we roll Kitty Hawk down and it just lands like two inches next to Crazy Train. Uh, and then, of course, we do all the rolls. Crazy Train, because it says it takes a medium howitzer hit, not a strength three hit. And so we read that to mean you go through the whole thing. Pins, wounds, the whole thing. And we said it's indirect. It's a plane crashing on top of you. It's going to hit your roof. So he gets the three pins. Uh, then he fails to penetrate. And so now, yes. now he's, yes. it gets better. Now it's on six pins. Um, oh, his steward came around and, and bounced a bounce around off Lady Luck, and and I missed returning fire. So his steward is now facing off against two Shermans, and and it's all very crazy. Crazy trains <laughs> on on six pins. 
<laughs> and then uh, fails to penetrate. Nothing. Just bounces the Kitty Hawk down off the roof. A couple more pins on Lady Luck. Uh, a couple of other squads get pinned. And so now I'm just like, all right, objectives on. I'm just vomiting all of my good dudes up to the thing. Uh, first dice of turn four is my howitzer. I go for his chindit squad. Gets a six right over the top. Great, there we go. Deletes, and he's like, I'm not going to go down. Like, why would I ever go down? Um, deletes uh... deletes the Chindit squads, gets the three pins. He gets morale check, fails. Goodbye, Chindits. So now he's only got a commando squad, his naval observer, his officer, and his howitzer, and his steward, and a brain carrier. He's still got seven dice. Um, it's, but it, yeah. it's looking pretty it's dicey. Seven dice, but it's a shaky seven. Yep. Yeah, it's looking pretty dicey. Uh, and then <laughs> he activates his steward, shoots crazy train, hits it, round bounces off the front of it. Crazy train, seven pins in the center of the board. By other lady luck activates, put a round right through the steward, pops it, massive damage, see you later. Uh, medium gun against the light tank front armor, no arguments there. Uh, and then, yeah, all of my squads move on and I start dishing out some pins. Um, last dice, rally crazy train, gets the rally, roll the six for pins. It's now a good-to-go Sherman in the center of the board. Oh, no. And then, <laughs> uh, you know, my officer was there, and then it just basically came... Like, I just had two Shermans in front of the objective, all four squads, and my officer on the objective. And yeah. His squad would come and out was, and get gunned down. And you just and you just wipe it out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and so that was the, the round three. And, of course, from, just, and from Justin's point of view, he's like, I mean, I'm committed, right? Like, it's it's that's the objective. And yeah, it's, I yeah. know, I, I, I'm down on kills. It's sort of, I have to, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. I had some super hot dice that round, though. Like, credit where credit is. Oh, true. good. Uh, I felt really that's bad. That's where all our dice went. Yeah, that's, yeah. The regression to the mean was between rounds three, two and three, I tell you what. Um, because <laughs> you needed a night's sleep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, to recharge my dice. <laughs> put them back in the <laughs> uh, and, and it was funny because Justin was like I got gorged I was like what do you mean he's just like there's a reason it rhymes with torture <laughs> yeah uh, uh, but no he had a good chat about it and he's just like honestly you played the most gorging game that there is you told everybody what you were taking you said you take four squads you take four squads you, yep. If you have tanks, you use them in concert, and that's what you did. You pick a point, you drive home, use your artillery to take out units. You just played how you say that you play on your podcast, and I lost, and I have just as much information to beat you as everybody else did. <laughs> he's like, Including you won that- a naval gun. <laughs> and he's like, you won that fair and square. I was like, okay. Yeah. I mean, there was a bit of luck with the naval observer, um, and of course, getting the multiple indirect hits on sixes. Uh, yeah. But I think... Yeah, it, it, it was a little bit uh, on the balance in between in the middle there. Um, could have gone either way for sure. But we'll... I, I think there's a lot to be said as well for, like you say, you know, you you talk about the way that you like to play. You talk about how you build your list and, and your list reviews of when you put those up on our Facebook groups and, and why you take those certain choices that you plan to run. Like, it's not like you have a hidden playbook. Like, yeah. I, I mean, I, I shared my list with, um, with like, you guys on the podcast group. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, because I wanted you to get a bit of a kick out of what was going. Because only only me and Gorgian went. So, Jacob and yeah. Tyler yeah. went there. Um, and, and so, I was like, I wanted you guys to get a bit of a kick out of what I was going to do um, and torch myself over the uh, over the two days playing 20 dice list um, for four games in a row. Um, but I didn't actually 
really tell anyone else until the day before when yeah. the list went live. And that's when everyone was like, you're bringing what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I think this was the one event where I didn't do a list write-up because the lists were going yeah. live. I was like, they're all going live, they're going public. I think it was actually a week before the event. I think it was... It was a full week, yeah. Yeah, I think it might have been six days or something. Must have been a week. Yeah, yeah. With, the, with the submissions and stuff like that. But I was like, look, they're up. I think I was like one of two US players uh, and I took Bloody Gulch and I called my list Hello Second Armored. Like, if that doesn't scream, it's me. Like, I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) Uh, And everybody's like, oh yeah, that's gorgeous. I was like, if you want to know how, like, why I took it, I'll I'll let you know, but I won't bore everybody with it, with a post. Um, So then shaping up, who did you fight in round four? Round four was Chris. So I was up against Soviets again. Um, And look, Um, this is, this is, I looked at his list and I was pretty worried. Um, he had two M3 scout cars as transports, two Bren carriers, um, which were transports as well. And he had two of the BA6 armored cars with the LMGs. And I think they were enclosed as well on his list. He had a ZIS-3 and an officer, one squad, one half track had a squad of six with a flamethrower, or a squad of eight with a flamethrower, the other squad of eight. I think it was just guys with rifles in the end. Um, I can't really remember. But he was playing a, a reconnaissance platoon, a mounted reconnaissance platoon. So as the game starts, he gets a free 12-inch move. But just, just before we get to that, this is another one of those 24 by 24 obstacle boxes. Um, and uh, when we talked about the terrain, uh, I had the side that had the 24 by 24 box. So it means none of his wheeled vehicles could cross it because they can't cross obstacles. And I had two gates uh, and they were in my deployment zone. One was like four inches from my board edge. The other one was two inches from my board edge. Uh, and I just put my demolition base in the center of that 24 by 24 box. Uh, and my Sherman's had to yep. go in reserve. And I was like, I just have to buy one turn. There's, there's, no, way that he, there's no way that he does this. Uh, and then there was, there was a couple of, there was a couple of things that really made the game. The first one was, I used the bait unit, so you're welcome, Jackson. I finally bowed. Thank you to your advice. I finally used the bait unit. Uh, actually, it wasn't the first game, but this was one of those ones where, like, in the game against you, we both knew it was a bait unit. It was a it was a squad of yes. six on a flank. This was a squad of twelve, um, right up outside outside my little death box, at basically what was almost out in the open to one. They're up against the wall behind a building. My original plan with them was. If he takes the bait, fine. They'll just go down and they'll wear hits. Once he forgets about them, I'm going to take out the Ziz-3 that's holding the main road and I'll just punch a Sherman up the main road into his base and call it a day. Um, that was kind of plan A. Oh, sorry, that was plan B. If he, if he doesn't take the bait and he lets it slide, I'll swing that unit, take out the Ziz-3, and, yeah. and either run the unit or, or swing a Sherman up there and take it out. Uh, but plan A was that, was that he takes the bait and he spends a lot of resources killing the unit. And then, uh, yeah, so he put basically a Bren carrier, a transport, and a BA-6 on this flank, and another one on this flank, and we had sort of a box of roads that, that boxed out my, my little kill box. And I just put all of my infantry in some trees and, and some stuff around my demolition base. So the idea was I would just pivot left or right, depending on which yep. one needed a flank, and then a big bait unit out there. And so um, I had my howitzer holding the left street, uh, and basically, the idea was, if I get an early activation, I'll sling it at his transport. Maybe I, you know, maybe I pop it, maybe I don't, but it'll be a nice one. Of course, 
I don't get the first activation. His, his transport rolls up, um, shoots at my house, or I go down because I don't want to give up. I don't need it to do stuff. I just need it to not give up the dice. So I just go down. Yes. Uh, and then, but he gets a free 12-inch move at the start of the game with all transports. And the way that the, the rule is written, and I did actually double check this, the way that the rule is written is that it's all transports. So the brain carriers get a 12-inch move. So he moves moves one up and, and he's shooting my howitzer and stuff. And 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 I got a squad of 12 that are in hard cover about 11 inches away from a brain carrier with a squad of five in it. And I'm sitting there like, and I get this dice. I'm like, my howitzer's down. I don't want to go down with my Shermans because I'm just giving up tempo. Um, my other squad hasn't been shot at yet, but I think I'm going to need them to go down because there's like six machine guns pointed at them and they're just hanging out at the moment. And so I'm like, I'm going to charge your brain carry with my squad. And he's like, you can charge a transport? And I was like, yeah, of course. And he's like, well, what happens? And I was like, well, you can declare to react. Or you can shoot with the transport if you want, just like normal. Um but then I had to double check. I wasn't quite sure the, the sequence, but you shoot it. I charge. Uh, instead of fighting the transport, I fight the guys inside the transport. Uh, you know, choice jumps out. Yeah. Uh, I, I, think oh, right. it's, I think it's largest. And then if it's equal, then it's largest you, or, you know, choice. Yeah, Sorry. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and, the, and so he was like, oh, I'm going to recce. And I was like, time out. <laughs> you get transport yeah. or recce. <laughs> yeah. You don't wow. get both. <laughs> and then he was like, okay, I'll take the shot. And then he's like, I'll wait till you're six inches. And I was like, time out. Uh, reacting to a charge is not the same as an ambush. Reacting to a charge, you shoot at first opportunity when the charge is declared, yeah. not um, at whatever distance you like. So, hilariously, he still kills three guys and exceptionals the NCO. Well <laughs> done, Chris. Like, regulars in hard cover. Um, Gorgon's like, are you serious? What is this? Like- yeah. And so, anyways, I, I, I'll go the charge. It's eight versus five. I win the fight. Is yeah. transport's activated. Um, that's two dice in hand. Yeah, and I was like, it's an auto pop. And I was like, okay, that's not too bad. Um, that scared him. And and he said it. He's like, that put the fear of God in me. So this other squad of 12, he did not get anywhere near them. He moved his brain oh. carrier away from them. And then his M3 scout car and his BA6, he just sat yeah. there and shot at them at range. Yeah. And because of the way the alley was and, and, uh, and the angle, they were in hard cover. So I just kept going down. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and he just sat there. You're, pl- you're playing the waiting game. Yeah, as I said, if you, if you want to take the... I need to wait till my Sherman's rock up. That's all I need to do. Um, and so his other transport rocks up. These guys cop out um, and they take some shots. I try to kill my officer. Officer goes down again. I don't need him to do anything. I actually move my officer first and put a pin on the, on the transport just in case. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, and then... Um, yeah, I, I snapped two with him and I moved one of the other infantry squads, put two pins in the transport just to try to slow everything down. And then, you know, we, we get to um, round two. Uh, he, you know, he's got this this transport on two pins. Um, the squad hops out. They take some shots. Um, I move I move out with, with my two squads. I clean that up. His, a squad mm-hmm. of engineers comes out from his half track and tr- basically tries to chase me this way. Um, yep. But then my Sherman rolls on and immobilizes the BA6. Doesn't kill it, Ooh. just immobilizes it. Yeah, and so now it's it, hanging yeah. out in the open. And and so that Sherman's just hanging out there. And this whole left flank is now secure. There is a transport on three pins, an immobilized BA6, and that's it. And there's a squad of infantry centered. This other squad here on the right, I just 
just kept going down. There were like six pins. Uh, and I just, I just like, I'll grab the dice at the end of the turn just in case they don't get shot at and I get to rally them. His Ziz 3 is trying to direct fire them as well. I don't know why he's not going indirect. I think he only he only elected to go indirect, I think, at turn 6 or turn 5. Uh, so he was trying to get the direct shot off. Thinking yeah. it might have been better than the indirect working down. I mean, sometimes it is a toss-up, um, but yeah. typically, if especially if they're in hard cover and stuff, just indirect. Well, they, they were already down when he started shooting with the Ziz 3, so yeah. I would have expected him to go for the indirect first. Indirect but, first. Um, yeah, did, didn't get there to the end. Uh, then his he finally realizes that squad's not a threat, so he zips his brain carry down to the, to the gate. Now it's turn three. My second Sherman rolls on because it failed in the first auto test. I just park it in front of the Bren carry and point blank it. He changes put his... Nice, put a nice hole in it. Um... Yeah. And so now there's a dead Bren carrier blocking the gate on my right side. And there's a dead transport. Um... The transport got removed and there's a BA-6 who's now dead on the left flank who's choking the, the gate a little bit on the left. So I just ran my howitzer on the gate. Um, and... And then, uh, so he had sort of these two cars in the middle and a squad of engineers. He changed his mind and went different direction with the squad of engineers and they ended up out in the open and I just shot them with everything I had. Yeah, um, yeah. And then... Because biggest threat, target priority. Pretty much. I, the, and then the other two transports, yeah, they had... Uh, there was a transport in the army car, yeah, they had a whole bunch of bristling with MGs and stuff, but it was like, I'm not too fast. I'll just go down. And, and then... Crazy train just rolls up and it's just putting, trying to put rounds through transports and, and armored cars. And then that was, that was the, that was game six, really. Uh, neither of our demolition bases were, were touched. Um, yep. And I think it was, well, I can't remember. I think it was five or six kill points to zero or something like this. Might've been a couple yeah. more. Um, uh, yeah. I managed to not give up any, any, any order dice. Oh, sorry. No, I did give up the one. He did get through that squad of 12 in the end. Um, oh yeah. 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 I think that long it took about four turns uh four or five turns of 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 at three or four machine guns shooting at them every turn because it got to the point where there was there was i think there was four guys left and they were on seven pins um and and he basically just point blanked them and they were down but it was still twos at this point so and he kills two of them they take an order test on eight pins or seven pins i'm just like yeah, they're going to fail this. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like, I, I'm doing this in case they pass and run away, but really it's so they go down. <laughs> you know, the, the, yeah, the morale check that they, yeah, they failed the morale check. They were oh, down. the morale piece. Sorry, yeah. Sorry yes. Yeah, and then, and then, you know, it was, it, was a, it was an empty transport with two machine gunners and a BA-6 armored car as this three and an LT was all that was left on the board. I'm I'm curious. Was he running the so so with the reconnaissance units? You can leave guys behind yeah. in the transport and to count as crew to manage the extra guns. Was he running them then as uh, manned transport? No, we clarified that at the start. Yeah, good. Because 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 there's the there's the U.S. armored infantry platoons that, mm-hmm. but that's actually a theater selector special rule where if you yeah. buy the half track, they don't, and you leave guys behind, they don't count as empty transports, but Correct. his, the, the rule is on the, the mounted recon squad. And it says yes. it can fire additional one additional weapon per guy left behind than yeah. an empty transport. Yes. So it's an empty it's, transport that can fire more guns, yet. not a man transport. That was yeah. something, but it it actually didn't matter anyway because they were. He always had an, an armored car within an inch of his transport. Yeah, uh, yeah. So he was basically running them as as twinned armored cars. Yeah, which is actually a really clever idea. I really liked it. Oh, it's good. 
but no, it, it's really, really good. It meant that I had to kill his BA6 to pop his transport. Yes. And and he was like, oh, why don't you just shoot the transport? It's easier to kill with my Sherman. I was like, yeah, but if I kill the BA6, I get two for one. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yep. And, and, so, then, and then, and that's probably when he was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, fr- frustrating game for, for Chris, I think. Just, again, that was one of those things where, look, the terrain didn't decide the game, but it certainly made it a lot easier for me by, yeah. by a huge margin. Yeah. Especially because, you know, I took out his two, I took out one of his track vehicles, and then his second one should have just plowed through one of the fences. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I think that's that's one of those things where if if something catches you unawares, like me charging his transport, and that really like rocks you, you gotta get back in the game super quick. Um, yeah, you, you gotta you gotta find find a a crutch or a mental strategy or something like that. Just be like, oh my god, I didn't know you could do that. That's that's horrifying. This other this other um, brain carrier just had an officer in it, and his other transport had eight guys in it. And I had a squad of 12. Like, I'm not charging a squad of 12 against eight. Like, just, I'm not doing that. No, it's a lot of dice, yeah. It's It's a lot of dice, yeah. Against the captain? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If I was in range, but but the eight is a lot more, a lot more risky. Yeah. Um, And especially because I had to cross a lot of ground to make that happen. Like, he had to get closer for that to risk it. And, you know, at that point, the unit was on six pins. I think it was one turn three. It was on six pins. I was like... You're you're out of time, Chris. Like you gotta go. But of course, I wasn't gonna tell him. <laughs> oh no! Look, it, yeah. And, and look, th- there's there's this crossover between um, being able to have uh, you got to be able to have a competitive game without it being a learning game. Yeah. yeah but there yeah. are also times where you got to be able to have a learning game which is not competitive. And yeah. then there are the times where you need to be able to have a competitive game while still being a learning. Yeah, yeah. Um, but those, those they don't always go together. And yeah. player, we're, we're pretty good in Perth. Um, like a lot of the, a lot of the casual games that we that that I pick up, for example, and and people who are wanting to get back involved or wanting to catch up games with bolt action. And I'm like, is is there anything that you want yeah, to yeah, do or yeah. try different that I can that I can because I've got quite a lot of resources, so I can bring something that's different for you to play against. Um, in fact, I did that with Chris when he was yeah. trying to understand how to use cavalry. And I was yeah, like, well, yeah, bring yeah. a Japanese lift that's different. And whilst he still beat me with that list, um, when he first looked at it, he was like, this list is terrifying. I don't know how I'm going to find yeah, it. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, that's that's what I want to be able to create because you'll learn through the experiences. And so um, I, I think a lot of people over that weekend learn a lot of things um, about <laughs> Yeah, and me included. Where I'm just yeah, like, yeah, I yeah. don't enjoy twenty dice lists no, having but to play them. Credit to you, you got to the end of turn five in both of your games, and that really <laughs> goes to show you that yep. that bolt action is a fast system. Like, it yes, be, a big yeah. part of that is is on the player as well to play fast, but mm-hmm. the top speed limit in is not in the system. It's it's on the player. No, there are other games yeah, where it is the system. Um, mm. the, yeah, the top speed limiter on on bolt action really comes down to the player. As as unfortunate that is to say, um, but as particularly in you know if you're not having beer and pretzels, you're not catching up with a buddy and that sort of thing, which are fantastic to do over a game of bolt action. Don't get me wrong, um, but you know if you're at a tournament and you're going, how am I going to get through six turns in two hours? And it's like, my friend, it can absolutely be done. It's in there. It's just about making yeah. those those snap decisions and and thinking quickly. And trying to think those one or two steps ahead, but yeah, look, it was 
Honestly, I was really gassed coming coming through the weekend. I think um, Saturday night when we all went to this is the other thing I love about the Perth community is that is that the TO invited everybody to his house for a barbecue after after or between rounds two and three because it was a, an overnight and, pause and catered for it and like, catered eventually. <laughs> Yeah, nobody went hungry. But honestly, uh, it was just like all of the players just sat down and the TOs were just like beer in hand, amazing food it, it, like on our plates. And then it's just like... Yeah, big, big thanks to Nina and John for yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. And and all of us are just like, bolt action's fun. I'm so tired. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then, he, yeah. Pete said to me afterwards, because he, he came and crashed with us when yeah. we all um, sort of were sitting around and chatting and having a good ball and stuff. And on the drive back home to Al- um, to Narangar up from um, yeah. from Albany, he was like, "You guys went pretty hard at it." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I think if I if I if we do that again, I'm going to need a lot more caffeine if, if we're going to go for beers on that first night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I think I think we'll definitely have some opportunity to um to do lots of different things. Um, yeah, coming forward. Um. Oh, I haven't even talked about the plane. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Oh. You haven't even talked about the plane. So, so, so yeah. Dan, so, like, <laughs> I, I was there pretty early helping set up tables, and everybody just sort of rolled in, you know, an hour and a half, an hour early. And then, and I think you were one of the last in, Dan. And, like, yeah. oh, my God. When you walked in, I, I was like, somebody get that man a bucket. Like, Dan, are you all right? How bad was the drive? <laughs> I don't think I've, I've ever seen you that pale. No, I don't think any of you have seen me that pale before. And I was pale to begin with, so that's <laughs> saying something. Um, so essentially what had happened, and, and this, you know, Pete and I joke about it, so it's fine. It's, it's, it's all good. But um, so my father-in-law, where he is in the property and his background and what he does is involved in engineering bits and pieces, and he has an ultralight plane. And he's like, oh, we need to go pick up some fuel from the generator, so we got to go do that. And uh, oh, we'll, I'll take you up and and we'll do a little trip in the plane. Amazing! What a way and to as, start as the day. We, yeah, and and look, look. To be brutally honest, I knew what I was getting myself into because I've been in that plane before. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I was, I knew it was a bit windy, and I was watching the the windsock and stuff, and I was like, well, look, what's the worst? I've been on planes before. What's the worst that it can be? And we're we're getting ready for takeoff, and, and Pete's looking at the windsock, and he's like, yeah. Look, it's a, it's a bit. It looks a bit windy and stuff. Look, if I'm not if I'm not comfortable with it, I just won't take off, and then you know we'll just get in the car; it'll be fine. And and I was like, I trust you. I got no reason not to trust you. You're a qualified pilot. Uh, <laughs> and so and ultimately, he's in the plane with you, right? Like that's right, that's right. Um, and uh, and this this thing is, um, if you think about, uh, and this is, I'm going to do horrible justice to this, but if you take a coke can cut the sides open and splay the wings out. That's about what it was. Uh, and what so was it? Take that- is, is a Cessna not an ultralight? Oh, it's smaller than a Cessna Ooh, and much wow. lighter than a okay. Cessna. Okay. Yeah. Um, this, this is a kit-built aircraft. Right, it's yeah, a legal, yeah, yeah. legal kit-built yeah. aircraft, but it's, um, yeah, it's all, all essentially... Ikea kit-built. for aircraft, yeah. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. And so imagine this little Coke can and you put a turbo a turbo fan in front of it and just throw that can at it and see what happens. Um, it, it was as he got up and as we started flying, um, um, Pete was like, he looked over at me and he's like, yeah, it's a, it's a bit rougher than I thought. Um, and, and that's what I started going. Okay. <laughs> but we were in the air. 
I was committed. Um, and I went, and he pointed off it to something in the distance and he was just like, look, we're just going over there. We should be all right. I'll go a little bit higher. It might be a bit rumpy on, bumpy on the way back. We'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. If you need more time, we'll just take more time. And I'm like, yep, that's fine. And on the way over, like the first um, bit of the flight, I was like, I'm a little bit bumpy, but it's actually not that bad. And then as we climbed a bit in altitude, the wind speed dies down and gets a lot smoother because you yeah, don't yeah, have the yeah. ground that it's rolling over. And that was much better. <clears throat> and so on the way over, I was like, we landed, um, you know, sort of to, walked around for a little bit. I was like, yeah, I feel a little bit seedy, but I'm okay. And then it was time to go. And I was like, yep, okay. Then we get in the plane and peace like, now I'm going to have to, because over there, there's a power line that crosses and crosses here. And so when, when I go up, I might have to bank steeply to because I can't, if I don't get enough height, if we're not going fast enough, I won't get high enough. And so I'm going to have to come around. Um, and so I was like, oh, yep, look, again, I trust you. Um, it's fine. And uh, the actual, the banking turn wasn't a problem. But then the Coke can was doing much more of this uh, on the way. <laughs> and, and look, at the end of the day, um, you know, it, it, it was great. I was fine. But um, you should have seen me getting out of the plane and when I was in the plane. I was – the plane is like a lime green, and I'm pretty sure I was competing for the brightest color in the plane. <laughs> um, it was um, – I think, you know, Pete was kind of like – I wouldn't – if I'd known what that was going to be like, I probably wouldn't have suggested we go up. Like, if it was him himself, he probably would have flown it because he does it all the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, flying. But he's like, I probably wouldn't have taken a passenger. Um, and, and all of that was then, as we came in to land the plane, we're going in and there's this big, in the runway that we're coming in on, on his property. Yeah. And the, the runway only needs to be like um, sort of 500 meters less yeah, there yeah, yeah. because it's it's really easy to slow down. Like, blows your mind how easy it is to slow that thing down. And anyway, we're coming in and there's this big tree. So the wind is coming off the yeah. tree and doing rollies. And so we come in to land. And he's, he's like, okay, we're coming in, we're landing, we've stopped flying, we're just going to touch down now and roll through. And then the plane's doing this. <laughs> it just gets so we're, we're coming in, And then, and then the, the wind comes in from the tree and just goes whoop. And then so Pete's then had to react and, um, you know, get us back down on the ground and stuff. And, uh, you know, he's, he's um, we walk back over to where the mum-in-law is and she's like, I think that's the worst landing I've ever seen him attempt. And I'm just like, great. <laughs> Any landing so that you walk away is from the good landing. So, so needless, yes, and we did. We made that exact comment, but uh, but so by the time that I actually got to um, the event, um, and if I already looked sick, just imagine how bad it was the hour beforehand, where I was coming down off the shock and the anxiety and the, and all the the, the seediness I'm alive. that I was feeling. I'm alive. The, the, and the, and the and the drive and the drive that then went in for which was about an hour and a half. So, um, yes, look, plane trip before an event. If it's somewhere like Las Vegas and you're in a big turbojet where the turbulence is not so bad, um, it's fine. I can say that I've experienced real turbulence. Um, not many people. What they think is turbulence is kind of not real turbulence. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I uh, I've been in a Cessna. And, and yeah. that's like, even on a nice clear day, you're just like, oh boy. Uh, yeah. If, if, yeah. Like I, I'm not, I'm not one to get jittery in turbulence or something like that. It doesn't, doesn't bother me as much as some, some other people. Um, so I was pretty chill in the Cessna ride, but, but it's just one of those things. Like you just notice it. You're just like, right. Okay. This is, this is what flying is like when you don't have thousands of thousands of tons or hundreds of, t I have actually have no idea how much a, 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 
the 747 or equivalent ways. You have a lot of plane to buffer a the lot of planes. <laughs> Whatever metric is appropriate for that amount of plane. Yeah. When you when you get to something like a Cessna, you're just like, huh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. Um yep. it's and yeah, and uh, but no, it was it was it was all still enjoyable and all still good. But um well, I think that's um that's probably everything that we need to cover off. Obviously, you've got your chat with Gilly, which we recorded. Um, yeah, yeah, coming soon. Recorded, which will come soon. Yep. Soon, TM. So that's well worth the listen. Yeah. Um, I'll then, probably uh, put that up before this one. So if, you, if you've if okay. you made it all the way through this and you have no idea what the TO had to say about his own event, first off, shame on you. Second, go check out that video. Yeah, absolutely. Um, awesome guy. Can't wait for the next one. And and can't, you know, stoked that the um, the standard of what we are able to take part in um, is actually really good, not just in Perth, but also with our, within our buddies the, down in Albany. The, within the state now, yeah. Yeah, this is the uh, first non-Perth event, and, and Gilly said it looks like he's going to try and repeat this every year. So fantastic. Yeah. It really seems like the bolt-action scene here in WA is really gaining some traction. I had... Um, I've got my event, Band of Brothers, is a team event coming yes. up in, in about 10 days. And I actually just, just did the final count of of players. So I've got 24 confirmed, which is fantastic. That's um, awesome. I absolutely cannot ask for more. There are two teams of three that dropped out. And there are another two teams of three that couldn't make it for other circumstances. So oh, wow. all that being said, uh, I, I mean, I appreciate I'm kind of cherry picking the numbers here a little bit but there was a 36 player pool for the event at one point never quite confirmed 36 it's not like we hit 36 and then bounced off of it but we were yeah we were looking at 36 players for the event and that's also with yourself out not even so that would have been 37 plus a few more people it might have been 39 if if we can that's at that point we're really starting to fudge numbers going to 39 but 36 was was the potential player pool that's fantastic because because we have about um, uh, give give or take or any event yeah. or people running forward um, we have about about thirty five to forty five people that are actively engaged in the community yeah. regularly in the front end that try to get to the events that, so that would have been almost everybody yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> and and also to consider that happened two weeks after the Albany event as well there have yeah. been a few previous incidences where we've had some stuff a little bit too close. And yep. people have claimed that they couldn't get the leave passes uh, and they were getting some, some tournament fatigue. But yeah, yeah. So to get, you know, as I said, 24 confirmed is awesome, though. It's fantastic. So I'm really hoping that uh, we can break the, the drafting and the team format as much as we can so I can bring everybody something fresh, new, and exciting next year because mm. um, I think... I think if we naturally we'll we'll keep Justin and, and Outpost and yourself. We're going to keep running skulls uh, for the foreseeable future. I don't see that changing. Then we'll have um, Southern Thrust, which is the Albany event, and then we'll have Band of Brothers as well. So it's going to be at least four events a year in WA, including any other ones that happen. So I was going to say because there's then there's all the like like the typically non-event things yeah. that also go on. So like we've got the combined arms campaign that'll be kicking yep. off in, yep. in a couple of weeks. Um, and I still have plenty of ideas for events that, uh, uh, yeah, that's not going to slow down. Yeah. Look, my, my dream is to get one a month on the calendar. Um, yeah. That whether or not we have the critical mass to support that and people are going to get event fatigue is a separate question, but one, one a quarter is better than, than one a half. I will absolutely take that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. 
Well, for anyone that wants to get in touch with us, um, we'll have our social interactions linked in the description uh, below. Um, you can catch this on obviously our Western Tabletop channel or any of our other podcast recordings um, that we've got on Google Podcasts. And, uh, Every and podcasting Podbean. platform. Think everything. <laughs> yeah. yeah. As everyone that that's people have suggested us, we're, we're on. Yeah, um, we do potentially, like sometimes we need to re-upload something. If it doesn't sync, just let us know. We jump on those as quick as we can. Um, but otherwise, um, this has been of all. Uh, I'm looking forward to all the new wonderful things that are coming forward. I've been Dan. I've been Gorton. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone. Ciao.